If you would like our free newsletters on various religious topics, just send us an email at cdebater at aol.com and free newsletters will be sent to you by mail. Just provide your postal address in your email. The following are samples of some of the newsletters we have available. Does God Believe in Atheists? Part 1 Seventh-day Adventism True or False The Agony of Deceit The Origins of Muhammad's Religion Spiritual Warfare Are Psychic Mediums Communicating with Ghosts or Demonic Spirits? Testimony to the Eternal Godhead, the Trinity. From Tradition to Truth, a Priest's Story. An Evaluation of the Oneness Pentecostal Movement. Mormonism, Counterfeit Christianity. Turn or Burn. Jehovah's Witnesses, Deceived Deceivers. Links to these newsletters can also be found at our website www.biblequery.org Once on the home page, simply click on the menu icon at the upper left-hand corner. Then click on the Newsletters button. Feel free to print them out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. begin this video, I just wanted to let our viewers know a couple of things. One, we've been doing biblical study videos for the past 34 years, it's going back to 1985, and have endeavored to teach pure Bible doctrine while not asking people for money or by trying to get people to join a particular church or denomination. We just want people to learn what the Bible actually teaches to the benefit of our viewers' souls. Number two, if you have come to trust us in biblical matters over all the decades we have been doing this, then if you have a question on any particular subject pertaining to what the Bible might say about that subject, just remember to use our ministry name or my name, Larry Wessels, that's L-A-R-R-Y-W-E-S-S-E-L-S, in the YouTube search box and include the subject after it. And then hit the search button on YouTube to see if we have a video available on it. For example, type in C Answers TV, that's C A N S 
W-E-R-S-T-V, or Larry Wessels, L-A-R-R-Y-W-E-S-S-E-L-S, and then the subject afterwards, and then see what the search box reveals. For instance, if you put in Jehovah's Witnesses after either C Answers TV or my name, Larry Wessels, here's what you'll see if you do that. And as you can see there on the screen, there's a selection of videos that you can choose from on that particular topic. Likewise, if you do that with the subject of Mormons or Mormonism, here's what you'll see. And you can see all the videos available on that subject. Or if you put Sea Answers TV Roman Catholicism or Larry Wessel's Roman Catholicism, and you put that in the search box on YouTube, and here's the variety of videos that'll be at your disposal if you do that. And you can basically do this with any subject that you're thinking about, even on subjects like, can I lose my salvation? Put in Sea Answers TV or Larry Wessel's, and then can I lose my salvation in the search box, and then see if there's any videos available on that by our ministry. And those videos will then address your question. Also, if you had a question like Sabbath keeping, you can put that after See Answers TV or my name and the videos that we have available on that subject will be there. Or like on demon possession, the occult, or any of these types of things. It just comes down to a question you might want us to answer on a particular topic. Okay, now let's get to the main video. God bless you all. Greetings and welcome once again to our program. I'm Larry Wessels, Director of Christian Answers, Christian Debater. And I want to thank you for being with us today. And I'm with a very special guest of mine for, at the time of this recording, 29 years now. I'm looking forward to next year when it'll be three decades. Uh, 30-year anniversary. <laughs> it, it went by so fast, you know. Pretty soon it'll be 40 years in the wilderness That's before right. we turn around. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to find out a lot about Rob here as we do this special broadcast. I have learned that a lot of my viewers don't seem to understand that they can go to our YouTube channel, a main page, and really have access to a lot of material on a lot of subjects. And I guess, uh, Rob, you were the main inspiration to me for this video on our YouTube channel because you've been associated with us for so many decades, and mm -hmm. we've been doing YouTube now since 2008. And uh, at the time we're recording this, that's already 11 years ago, and you didn't have a clue about how to look at us on YouTube or... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, what? What's going on here? Maybe maybe we do a, do a training video here. Thank you for exposing Thank you for exposing my yeah. ignorance, my ineptness, but you and have, inability. <laughs> but you have to admit, once you accessed the channel and saw what right. was there, right. you were slightly impressed. Right? Absolutely. I mean, here I am doing all of these videos with you and having a clue to how to find them. And I said, well, I hope somebody reads them and watches them and gets a transcript somewhere. But now now I got it. Yeah, it's see, and I assumed the whole time he knew what to do. Or, You know, it really comes down to the name of your YouTube channel. Right. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking about our YouTube channel for our viewers that just weren't aware of any of this, like good old brother Rob here, who, who a lot of my regular subscribers and everybody are well familiar with, so I'm not going to have you do your usual spiel about, mm. I, I will say you got a, a degree from Dallas Theological Seminary, you got a lot of theological background, I was an elder in the church and all that good stuff, mm. and, and uh, 
a great Christian uh, apologist when dealing with the subject of Roman Catholicism, which we'll get into here uh, while we're going through this video. Um, he's done lots of debates uh, on that particular subject. Okay, now as you can see on your screen there, folks, you are looking at our main Sea Answers TV YouTube channel. And uh, if you look up near the top of the page there, you can see... How many subscribers we've got? We have 25,944 subscribers at the time we we're doing this video. And then as you go down the page, you have an introductory video that is for people who haven't subscribed to this channel. And if you see there, our introductory video is on supernatural Bible prophecy concerning Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. And, uh, you know, the apostles and prophets use biblical prophecy along with the details about the resurrection of Christ as two of their main apologetic and evangelistic appeals to listeners who are just first coming into contact with this information. So that video is mainly dealing with uh, the 456 uh, supernatural Bible prophecies concerning the Jewish Messiah mm -hmm. and also overall 2,000 fulfilled Bible prophecies in the Old and New Testaments. So it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Okay, so viewers can see at the top of our YouTube channel how many views we've had on our channels since we've been in operation. And it's over 13.5 million views, which is pretty good. And we have those views coming from over 200 countries and provinces. It's funny about YouTube. They, it's kind of cool because they give an analytic that you can click on, and it'll tell you where all your views are coming from, what countries, mm. things of that nature, and so forth. So what people are seeing right now is uh, our returning subscribers page. You know, that other page y'all saw at the beginning, that's for just people who are not subscribers. Uh, but the actual returning subscribers are going to see our introductory page, not about supernatural Bible prophecies, but about how... You can depend on the canon of Scripture as the only authentic Christian belief and doctrine from the only God. So our subscribers are going to see that particular video, which is just talking about how we depend on the Word of God for our beliefs about God. Now, what, Rob, what do you have to say about that? Is the Bible important in understanding the things of God? The Bible is the only <laughs> Word of God. And uh, this it is, uh, there's no Christianity without it. It is the foundation of our life. It's the word of truth. It's God's revealed will for our lives. And it is the only word of God. It sounds like you're saying that. scripture alone and not tradition. We're saying, we're saying, yeah, sola scriptura, the Bible alone for faith and practice. It doesn't mean we don't read Good commentaries doesn't mean we don't read good articles, doesn't mean we don't research the historical genre of passages of Scripture. We use every tool available to us, but at the end of the day, there's only one God-inspired, God-breathed Word, and it is in scripturation within the context of the 39 books of the Old Testament and 27 of the New Testament that is God's Word. Amen. And that's what our channel focuses on, and that's why our returning subscribers see that, you know, have that video up there to really show anybody where we're coming from. Mm. If you're going to decide theological issues, uh, 
from a truthful vantage point of the only true God, it's got to come from the scriptures, like you were just saying, the Bible. And so everything on our channel is dedicated from that proposition to determining whether something is true or false. So for our viewers at home, uh, let's take a look now at how you read our, our main channel. You see the first line of videos there. It's called uploads. Those are our recent uploads. Those are videos we just put up uh, within the, you know, the last week, two or three or four weeks. You can see there on the screen, some of those videos are like two days ago. Some of them are you know, a week ago, whatever, and it just goes on and on. In fact, if you click on that little arrow there, you can see it takes you to more videos that were uploaded in order that they were. In fact, right here, look at this screen. Uh, Rob, I see you there with a guy named Dale. Uh, it's that one video there. Let's click on that for a second. If you click on that video, that, that video comes up. Rob, you may recognize the people in this video. What do you have to say about this? I don't know who the guy is on the right-hand side, <laughs> but the, the left-hand side is my good friend, Dale Rudiger, and I am interviewing his background. Dale was in the Roman Catholic religion for over 35 years, and he was a stalwart, uh, convinced, committed Roman Catholic, but the Lord saved him out of this religion when Dale began reading the scriptures on his own. And Dale's telling his story, how he read uh, the book of Colossians, and just on the basis of uh, God's word, he began to question the practices yes. of the Roman Catholic religion. Yes. And he brought his questions uh, to the priests and those who were in authority over him, and they could not answer his questions, so he kept searching and ultimately came to a point in his life where he realized that he had absolutely missed the boat and praise God, the Lord saved him, gave him the revelation of the truth of his word and Dale having read it and repented of his sins and cast his entire life on the mercy of God, accepted his son Jesus Christ and his righteousness in place of his own and Became a Christian. Excellent. And at that time, Praise the Lord. At that time, he was, he was absolutely flabbergasted that he missed it for so many years, like so many Roman Catholics. But in God's timing, he came to Christ. That's right. Now, one thing, thank you for that review, Rob. Uh, I noticed and people at home can see the likes to dislikes on mm -hmm. different videos. In this particular video with uh, Dale and Rob, we got 61 likes and 9 dislikes. And uh, usually I suspect that the, uh, whoever's disliking any of our videos is usually in the religion we're talking about. <laughs> that would stand to reason. So, uh, I, I like this particular video in the sense that uh, it came out that only 2% of all Roman Catholics actually go to Roman Catholic confession boxes. Right. Uh, which is, uh, and we did a video on that, which we haven't posted yet. But uh, anyway, I'll save that for another time. Okay, let's go back to the main... Uh, you see people here, we've got it says on the first line for uploads, it says view 500 more. If you click on that, suddenly you'll get the last 500 videos we, we put on YouTube in order, in the order that we put them on. Mm. Uh, and uh, at the moment we're recording this, Rob, we've already, we've already posted 760 videos mm. or more. And that's just the next 500 just on that click. Okay, now let's go back to our 
returning subscribers channel. Okay, as you see on our popular uploads videos there, uh, our most popular video of all time is the one I did for cable access TV back in the day. <laughs> and of course, we just took it from our old cable access production and threw it up on YouTube. And the next thing you know, I get over a million views on that video. Unpopular Bible Doctrines number one. Of course, that's part of a 15-hour series. So there's 15 parts of that series. There's a lot of unpopular Bible doctrines uh, that are out there. But people seem to want to really see that video for over a million views just to find out what are these unpopular Bible doctrines that most preachers and churches won't teach. I think that's one reason uh, it has so many views. Verse 5, I'll read it once again. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Did you get that? Jealous God. And he's so jealous that he goes on to say here, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So this is something that not just goes to the immediate generation, it goes on for generations, and God's going to visit their iniquities upon them, on them that hate Him. And yes, people hate God. Everybody thinks, oh, as long as you're sincere, and I, I love God and I believe in God. Yeah, but is it the God of the Bible? Is it this God, the one He's talking to us? Or is it some God you made up in your own mind? You, you may think you love God, but you really hate Him. And God even says people hate Him. And he says it right here. But as I'm, I, I'm just mentioning things that people never notice about the Ten Commandments. But the main thing is, God is jealous. Now, almost all these guys that make graven images, have other gods, uh, bow down to other things, they all say they love God. But what God's saying is, no, they don't really love him. They hate him, and he's going to take vengeance on them. He's going to exert wrath on them. He's furious with them. If you read the rest of this chapter in Nahum, I don't have time to do it. He's going to destroy. He's going to do all kinds of terrible things, bring destruction on these people. And why? Why is he going to do something like that? It's because God is jealous. See, people hate that. They didn't. A lot of people don't realize God is jealous. They think God's like a big Santa Claus and he'll just buy into anything you feel like uh, selling them. But no, God's jealous. He wants your worship. He wants you to worship him as he is. But see, people don't want that. They don't want to worship God the way he is and the way he presents himself as righteous and holy and true and just. They want a God that they make up in their own minds. They want a God like that. But it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out that way at all. Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light because their, e their deeds are evil. So we naturally, in our natural state, hate God. Even, uh, and we hate good, good and righteous things. Uh, it even says in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, Paul said that the carnal mind is at enmity with God. We, in our natural state, we hate God. And that's uh, basically what the Greek says. And so what doctrine would men hate a lot based on the fact that we're all evil and wicked and we don't like God that much anyway because we often think God's 
kind of a big bully because he comes out with these Ten Commandments. He wants us to live by that. We're supposed to do what God says. We're supposed to do good deeds. And, and we're not supposed to commit adultery. And we're not supposed to steal and murder and all these things. Uh, covet our, our neighbor's possessions. Who does God think he is? God? Well, that's why we get upset with God. Because we don't like God telling us what to do because we want to be God of our own selves. I just want to make a quick comment to our viewers if you notice there in the likes to dislikes of this particular video, you notice there's 403 likes, but there's 267 dislikes. But the thing I always thought was funny about this is the fact that no matter how someone votes on this particular video, unpopular Bible doctrines, they're actually proving the title to be true. Whether they like it or don't like it, because obviously the 267 people that don't like this video are proving that they don't like the doctrines <laughs> that the Bible teaches. So therefore, they prove my point. And of course, the other people are agreeing with my point, but at the same time, they're liking the video. So the irony is it doesn't really matter how people vote in this particular video because they're actually proving the truth of the title of the video. And one other thing I'd like to mention here is the comment section. A lot of people, if they're not that familiar with YouTube, don't seem to realize that they can make comments on any given video down in the comments section underneath the video. So as you see here, this is underneath the video and people can make comments as they see fit right there. So that's just an example for you people out there that are new to YouTube and didn't realize this existed. And I spend a lot of time responding to people who make comments across our 760 videos. Also, I want people to notice the comments I make here about free transcripts are available of this particular video and other videos that we have. And as you can see, the links are placed right in the comments section. All you have to do is click on that link and it'll take you to a transcript of the entire video. And what's cool about this is not only can you get a free transcript of this entire video, but you can also get a transcript of it in 20 different languages. And the way you do this is you go to this other link, as you see here in the comments, it'll take you to the main video located on Sermon Audio. And if you look down there, you'll see it says view transcript. But then you see right underneath that, you can put it in Google Translate. And once you put it in Google Translate, you can convert it into any language of your choice that the selection provides. So this is really something exciting as far as I'm concerned, because now with this technology, you can share this video in all these different languages and send it to other people in other countries. And it's just a great way to share the gospel, even if you can't speak a foreign language, that Google Translate can do it for you. And you'll see this. In fact, uh, on your screen, you can see where the link is going to take you to all our videos that have written transcripts, which add up to 68 videos and counting at the time of this recording. By going to any of the individual videos and locating the view transcript area. For example, say you want a foreign language transcript from our video called Biblical Canon of Scripture is the basis for authentic Christian belief and doctrine from the only true God. 
at this link. So this link will take you then to this video, which you see on your screen. And you want the transcript in Chinese, just follow these basic steps. Number one, click on Select Translation next to the Google Translate Indicator. Number two, click on the type of Chinese you want to use. You have two choices, either Simplified Chinese or Traditional Chinese. Three, let's say you click on Traditional Chinese. Number four, then you click on Translate, which brings up another screen which has the entire video translated into traditional Chinese. Point five, from there you have additional options to share this Chinese translation with others as indicated. And it is another opportunity for evangelism around the world in this digital age. Jude 3, which says, quote, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. End quote. Now we're back on our Christian Answers Boston, Texas page of all our available transcriptions. And at this time, it's 68 videos. Probably be more by the time our viewers see this video, but that's the way it goes. Okay, just for the sake of showing people some of these videos that have transcripts. Catholicism violently assaults scripture alone because, and you get the ellipsis there, which goes on to say what the rest of the title is, but basically I'm not going to read the whole title. I'm just giving you an idea what these different videos are talking about, and you can go there yourselves and look them up. But basically that first video, Catholicism violently assaults scripture alone because the Bible exposes Roman Catholicism, would be the rest of the title. But for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole titles. I'll just briefly show you what these videos are so you'll know what videos have the transcriptions available. Next one, Roman Catholics worship a counterfeit Christ and gospel. Next, justification by words, not works. Faith alone, Matthew 12, 37. 35 brutal, scary, and terrifying Bible realities proving eternal. And of course, it goes on from there. Next, Dave Hunt's Calvinism attack, confessions of a heretic. Next, Eastern, Russian, and Greek Orthodoxy consists of idol worshipers. Biblical canon of scripture is the basis for authentic Christian. And of course, we just saw a little demonstration of that in another language. Blasphemous, charismatic, and Pentecostal mayhem number six. Cops, Orthodox, Catholics, Nestorians, cults, Evangelicals. Next, church member possessed with multiple demons, demonic possession. Next, haunted houses, poltergeist, Carl Jung, Witchcraft, Magic, Hank Hanegraaff, Walter Martin's Greedy Judas, The Fake Bible Answer Man. Exclusive interview, Grace to You, John MacArthur, answers questions about Roman Catholicism. Muhammad hated Jews more than Hitler did. Myths of the Black Hebrew Israelites, Theological Racism. Ellen White's Seventh-day Adventism qualifies as an American Antichrist cult. Both fake Christians and pagans deny the Bible and Jesus alike 
Because Jesus said, the scriptures are true. The Roman Catholic Church in History by Walter Martin. By the way, this is the booklet that Walter Martin wrote about the Roman Catholic Church. And when he passed away, his successor, Hank Hanegraaff, pretended like this book by Walter Martin didn't exist. Next, top list of outstanding Bible teachers and preachers. Next, Islam's 1,400-year history of violent jihad for sex slaves, money. Next, debate one of four. Did Jesus pre-exist as God the Son before time? Next, are Catholics Christian? Answered by priests for 22 years. Next, divine curse of the Hebrew Roots Movement. Replacing Jesus with Next, Blasphemous, Charismatic, and Pentecostal Mayhem number 2, A Hype Circus. Next, Is Sabbath Keeping Essential to Be a Real Christian? Former SDA. Former Seventh-day Adventist pastor for 13 years gives his testimony why Seventh-day Adventism is not true. True Christians cannot lose their salvation. The Sovereignty of God versus Man-Made Religions, Petty Emotionalism, and Hollywood Movies. Unpopular Bible Doctrines, number 15, The Immutability of God. Unpopular Bible Doctrines, number 14, Devils and Demon Possession are Real. D&D Dungeon Master Testimony, Dungeons and Dragons, Wargaming. That's my personal testimony of how I came to Christ out of everything I was into before knowing Christ. A nun's story from convent bondage to Jesus. Next, evidence that Jesus is God. The Jehovah's Witness, New World Translation. Next, Muhammad's three goddesses of Allah. Islam's satanic verses. Next, rise of the cults. Where did all these strange American cults come from? Next, six-year-old wife of Muhammad was okay by the Muslim god Allah, but theological debate with a Roman Catholic Monsignor, part one. Anything goes religion. Unpopular Bible doctrines, number 11. God kills on the spot and shuts the door for those crying for mercy. Unpopular Bible doctrines, number 10. No excuses. God makes people to be destroyed. Unpopular Bible Doctrines number 9. God condemns sex by same-sex and sex with animals. Unpopular Bible Doctrines number 8. Death and destruction by God. God mocks false religion. Unpopular Bible Doctrines number 7. God condemns astrology. Unpopular Bible Doctrines number 6. Military service. Freudian psychology is false. Next, unpopular Bible doctrines. Number five, God hardens unbelievers. Next, unpopular Bible doctrines. Number four, repentance, false faith, fear. Next, unpopular Bible doctrines. Number three, God refuses to hear prayers. Next, unpopular Bible doctrines. Number two, many Christians are not real. Next, unpopular Bible doctrines, number one, the God no one wants to know. Next, spiritual counterfeit, 
Oneness Pentecostalism denies the Trinity. Next, biblical predestination number one. Is your God too small? The Biblical Doctrine of the Trinity, Part 3. Who's Knocking, Number 2, Jehovah's Witnesses, Hidden History. By the way, I recommend this video more than all my other videos on Jehovah's Witnesses to help Christians be able to witness to Jehovah's Witnesses. Debate, Larry Wessels versus Two Jehovah's Witnesses at a University Campus. The Roman Catholic Church in History by Walter Martin, Part 1, The Pope. And as mentioned before, this is a word-for-word -word rendition of Walter Martin's own booklet about Roman Catholicism, which was hidden from most people through the years of Hank Hanegraaff being the Bible answer man after he took over for Walter Martin. He pretended like Walter never wrote this book. And that completes our list of free written transcripts available to the public at this time. But as I said, as time goes on, we'll add more and more to this list. Now with the written transcript description covered, let's get back to where we left off before earlier in this video. And as we look there down the line, you've got our uh, band there that played uh, favorite Christian bluegrass music. That's got over 775,000 views. And then a video I put up a few years ago on a top list of outstanding preachers and teachers on Sermon Audio. And what is that now? I think it's 669,000 views. And then we go to the next one. It's another video I did on the Seventh-day Adventist. 524,000 views. There you have a video I did at a university campus against two Jehovah's Witnesses and... What is that, 482,000? Okay, as you can see there, I've got a debate I did against a Roman Catholic apologist named Dr. Robert Fastigi from St. Edward's University, and that one by itself has 431,000 views. Mm. And so it's God's grace working through us that heals us, but we ourselves have to cooperate with that grace. Now, you said... Now how did the thief on a cross do that? He was suffering, and he gave an absolute... Uh, act of faith and he, he, he and he was he, dead a few hours later yeah he acknowledged he didn't have to go to purgatory or anything where does the catholic church teach that every person who dies has to go to purgatory where does it teach that wait a minute now the question is they teach purgatory here's a thief on a cross but he all right a, he didn't he need to go to guy. purgatory where does Why the not? catholic church teach that every person who dies has to go to purgatory. Well, how come they have to go at all is my question. Some people do, some people don't. Are because you, that nothing sounds a little unfair to me. How come a crummy thief on a cross who lived a crummy life and in a couple hours before he dies, he makes profession he had a and pure, he gets to go right to heaven? He had a pure act of faith. He had a pure act of faith. So that absolved him from a whole life of sin and evil. That's right. Just like that. That's right. That's the power of God's grace, right? But there's other guys that are in the Catholic Church all their life. And they had to go to purgatory, and they need masses said for them, which is also another gospel, by the way, and the whole doctrine of transubstantiation is a blasphemy. Well, but, uh, listen, you do not believe in the Church of the New Testament or the Apostolic Church, because if you want to make fun of the Blessed Eucharist, which is the body and blood of Jesus Christ, then you are the blasphemer, because it is scriptural that Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. It is scriptural that he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you shall not have life within you. 
So you can conveniently push aside scriptures that don't suit you. Okay. And if you look in the Apostolic Fathers, it was clear if you go to the Didache, if you go to St. Ignatius, you go to St. Clement of Rome, it is clear that the Eucharist was celebrated and that they understood it not just as a symbol, not just as a remembrance meal, but making real the very body and blood the of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Encyclopedia Britannica says a lot of your church fathers like uh, Ignatius have spurious documents and interpolations in them, and they're unreliable, so you really don't know what they really said anyway, but you all you can go, go with any is the good scripture. seminary that is not Catholic and you would find the same text of the church fathers that Catholics use. But uh, John 6, where you're, you have this misinterpretation of the, the Eucharist and, and the Lord's Supper, G Dr. Morey told you in your debate before, the flesh profiteth you nothing. And I already brought it up out of Matthew 26 that time on a previous debate that Jesus partook of his own supper shortly before he died. And you basically said he partook of his own presence. And basically, not well, to say it too crassly, folks out there, but uh, Dr. Prestige believes that Jesus, because he believes that wafer is God himself, which I believe is patent idolatry, uh, just like idol worship. Uh, but uh, that's my opinion. You don't, you now, don't, what does believe, the council, the, you what don't is, believe the Bible. Though. What does the Council of Trent say? The Council of Trent teaches the doctrine of transubstantiation. What do they say about me when I say that's nothing but blasphemy? That you are anathematized. Okay, so I'm going to hell, right? I don't know. That's for God to judge. Then the next one is with the former Roman Catholic priest, Richard Bennett. Well, he was a Roman Catholic priest for 22 years. And he's here with a former nun talking about how she used to date priests. And they never referred to the Bible at the, the convent and all this stuff. 427,000 views. Now, Rob, I want your comment on this next one. We see this next one. Theological debate with a Roman Catholic Monsignor. Anyway, Rob, what you can see here, you may see someone that looks familiar. It looks like a young Rob Zins in this particular debate with a uh, Roman Catholic Monsignor. Mm. And it's titled, Anything Goes, Anything Goes Faith. So you have any comments about this? This, this particular video has, what, 400 and, over 411,000 views. Any, any remembrances? Uh, you're getting pretty old now, so I don't know if you remember I, I, anything. I do remember. I remember we put this together, and we didn't know if he would show up, but he did. And when he did, uh, he was not prepared to defend the Roman Catholic religion. And uh, I kept asking him, what do you have to say about the Council of Trent? What do you have to say about Vatican I, Vatican II? What do you have to say about the new Catholic uh, catechism and so forth? And uh, he kept deferring to uh, a more modern approach where we don't tie into that stuff as much anymore and we, we're not held in would you say he took? Would you say he took more of a Vatican II approach, a Lumen Gentium? And, uh, he took a liberal approach as well. He wasn't willing to defend uh, historic Orthodox Roman mm -hmm. Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it so intriguing for people to watch this because they can they can sense the difficulty he's having defending historic Roman Catholicism, and maybe some would like him for that because <laughs> they don't want anybody defending that, but then others might think he's not even a Roman Catholic because he's... Oh yeah, you're right about all of that because all that. I'm the one that moderates all the comments on this mm -hmm. channel since it's my channel, right? And so I get thousands of comments going across those 760 posted videos, and I've had umpteen comments 
uh, people of, of Roman Catholics saying exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Okay, so you don't see baptism as essential at all. I think it is very, very important. But I can't see condemning to hell all the men and women who have lived since Christ on continents that they never even heard of Jesus because nobody preached to them. And that I don't feel comfortable with that. When Paul says in Romans, where sin did abound, grace did more abound. Mm -hmm. uh, Does that mean other religions such as Islam? Sure. And uh, that worship Allah? Uh, they, since they haven't heard about Christ, they would still go to heaven? Yeah. Pagan, uh, pagan worshipers also? That worship idols and stuff like that that haven't heard about Christ? They would go that to are living in good faith to their idols? To whatever. Okay, now let's go back to that uh, popular uploads. It just goes down. As you see here, we we go past Rob's video. We've got other videos that have got hundreds of thousands of views. We go back to the main channel page. And so underneath the, the popular videos is our first playlist, besides those other two. But this is mainly the topical ones that are coming up now. And that's called Dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses and the Watchtower Society. Mm. And so these are all our videos that we posted on our channel dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses. Of course, the people can see that. Now, I recommend anyone watching this that I think we've got like 30 or something or more videos just on Jehovah's Witnesses. You can click that little arrow on the side and just keep clicking. And you can see, and it goes on 30 more. Okay, see, so we got at least 40 videos, it looks mm. like just on Jehovah's Witnesses. But if anyone's watching this, uh, I recommend the very first video if you don't have time to watch 40 videos. <laughs> watch the first one. What I do on my channel is I try to put the best video I've got on that topic in the very first slot, mm. figuring that's the one that most people would hit first. You know, It may not have the most hits or views as some of the other videos, but it's the best one I've gotten. That first video there, who's knocking number two? I put a ton of effort into this video because I've got Jehovah's Witness books going back over a hundred years. Mm. And when we were editing this video, we were putting pages from the actual books that Jehovah's Witnesses these days don't want anybody to know about. And I handed them these books. Here's one by their very founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses. The time is at hand. If you want a good joke on that, read uh, Luke 21, 8. <laughs> and then remember, remember this, this title of, uh, of uh, Charles Taz Russell's uh, book here. But I handed him this book and showed him, for, with not that much time here, but I, uh, I guess for the sake of the tape, I could give you a couple of quotes here. I handed him this and I, I showed him where uh, Charles Taz Russell predicted the end of the time, end times in 1914. This, is, this book is from 1909. He's the very founder of their organization. And as we will look in, a, in their uh, brief history here in the lecture outline in just a second. But uh, he states in here on page 76, In this chapter we present the Bible evidence proving that the full end of the times of the Gentiles, i.e. the full end of their lease of dominion, will be reached in A.D. 1914. And that, that date will be the, the farthest limit of the rule of imperfect man. And he goes through all these things talking about how God's going to set up his kingdom and overthrow, you know, these earthly kingdoms that we have here. On page 98 he says, true, uh, 
is expecting great things to claim as we do that within the coming 26 years all present governments will be overthrown and dissolved uh, but we are living in a special and peculiar time the day of Jehovah in which matters culminate quickly and it is written a short, a short work will the Lord make on the earth and then going down the page here a little bit we consider it an established truth that the final end of the kingdoms of this world and the full establishment of the kingdom of God will be accomplished at the end of AD 1914. And then I think it's on page 101, although I didn't get the cross-reference. Yeah, he says right here, uh, the kingdom of God will be established. This is on page 101. He says that it is pointed out in prophecy as due to begin the exercise of power in 1878 and that the battle of the great day of God Almighty, Revelation 16:14, will end in AD 1914 with the complete overthrow of Earth's present rulership is already commenced. And, uh, you know, it's basically talking about, you know, that great day of Armageddon and things. Uh, and this kind of shook him up because what, what happened was I started telling right off because I could see times running out. Everything we've been talking about the last 20 minutes was all Watchtower Doctrine. It was all taught by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And all that time they were condemning all these teachings of being of the devil, false. So, see, but I had been able to do it by asking questions and letting them give me answers to those questions. But see, I kind of controlled the conversation by asking the questions and let them tell me. And, it, you know, you could start to see them shake and get nervous and everything because these weren't some photo reprints of some book. I mean, these are the actual books. The time is at hand from his uh, studies in the scripture. In fact, uh, Charles Taz Russell had said that if you, if you don't read, you, you can't really read the Bible alone. You must have his studies in the scriptures. Otherwise, you'll go into darkness within two years. So I showed him that. I showed him uh, this book by their second president, uh, also by the Watchtower Society, uh, uh, called Reconciliation, on page 14. Uh, Judge Rutherford, who wrote this book, who was the president of the Watchtower Society, taught, but the greatness and size of other stars or planets is small when compared with the Pleiades' importance, because the Pleiades is the place of the eternal throne of God. That's page 14. And you should have, that the Jehovah's Witness is trying to break it up, had this book in her hand yesterday, and she read that. And you could, sometimes you can tell when something got through. It, it shook her up. She handed the book back to me quickly and tried to get the rest going out. But, uh, you know, I, the point was made because it was right there. Because one thing about false prophets is they can't change their history. And so I'm telling anyone that needs help on Jehovah's Witnesses, check that first video first. And, of course, my debate with those Jehovah's Witnesses comes in real handy for a lot of folks. I've had a lot of comments and people contact me about that. Okay, now the next playlist under that is on Islam, the Muslims. We've got one video on uh, Muhammad's three daughters, goddess. goddess daughters, and then the other one about uh, Muhammad's six-year-old wife, and he consummated that marriage with that six-year-old six girl when she was nine, and we documented all from uh, Islamic sources. And you can see all the videos we have, and it's all documented coming from Islamic sources. Steve Morrison and me have done a lot of videos on Islam, and Steve Morrison's written four books on Islam and has a website called MuslimHope.com. And the reason he titled that is there's hope in Jesus for these Muslims. That's the yeah. hope they got if they go to Jesus. But uh, that, that playlist is there to help 
people on that subject. Hey, what do you think of the uh, Sahith al-Bukhari from the Hadith? What? Have you ever heard of the Hadith, the Sahith al-Bukhari? Of course, yes. Right, do you have any respect for that? Yes. You do? Yes. Okay, what do you think when uh, Muhammad said in, in the Hadith, he said, Satan stays in the upper part of your nose all night. And the only way to get him out is in the morning you have to suck water up your nose and then spew it out to get Satan out of your nose when you wake up in the morning. Yes. You believe that? It doesn't. Does it help? Okay. Muhammad also said in Al Bukhari that uh, Adam was 90 feet tall. How big was he? Uh, Eve. Well, have you seen, well, have you seen Adam? Can you tell me it's not true? Well. Uh, Can you tell me it's not true? Can you prove it to me right now? It's not true. It was not 90. Huh? We're descendants of Adam, and we're not 90 feet tall. <laughs> you, have you ever heard of genetics? You're claiming that we're all the same size since all this time, right? We're claiming there's no 90 feet people. He's like Benny Hinn, that Adam was a super being that flew to the moon. You know, the thing is, is that Muhammad said he's a prophet. Why is he a prophet? Because Muhammad said he's a prophet. It's circular reasoning. No. It's not there. It's not documented. At least he had one revelation called the Quran, which was never changed throughout history. He's had. That's not true. The Bible was written hundreds of years after Jesus was raised to heaven. But uh, Isaiah prophesied that he would come. Uh, Moses prophesied. We believe in that. We have no doubt. We cannot believe that. We don't believe in Jesus Christ. But the problem is, having so many Bibles, you have more than 400, 500 ones until the, the, the Roman. Well, we. I'd like to say we you're a good Muslim because you're accepting these things I've just told you from the Hadith. You also believe this one. It says, The Prophet said, I was shown the hellfire and that the majority of its dwellers were women. And then he goes on to say, Oh women, I have not seen anyone more deficient in intelligence and religion than you. I can show you the same thing in the Bible. At this point, the Muslim students became so incensed that one of the Muslim student leaders actually came up the steps and took the microphone from the hands of the Christians, leaving their own microphone, which was down below the steps, and insisted that the Bible does not say that Jesus is the Son of God. First of all, I would say, if Jesus was the Son of God as they claim, I would expect Him to say about that in, his, in their own gospel at least. He mentioned about loving our neighbors, not hurting our parents, so many times. But you're saying, show me the Bible, what you're saying, show me. Get the Bible, show me what you're saying, you reveal it. No, that's exactly what I'm You should prove it to me. Well, then do it. If He is the Son of God, I would expect Him to talk about it at least. It says in John, he says, why, why do you want to stone me since I say I'm the son of God? It says right in here. I can find it for you real quick. God is described the Jews as the children of God. So let's take them all as our gods too. Because so many children of God. It's illogical. This is Jesus' words. Do you say to him whom the Father sanctified and said into the world, you are blaspheming what you say because I said, I am the Son of God. Okay, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's You're a liar. Of course, here the Muslim student gambled on the fact that the Bible said nowhere that Jesus was the Son of God. Of course, in the reference you just heard, David gave the reference from John chapter 10 verse 36 that even Jesus said that he was the son of God. 
Read the logical you, these, the, the, This is Jesus' words. <laughs> Do you say to him whom the Father sanctified and said into the world, you are blaspheming what you say because I said, I am the Son of God. Okay, now let's go down to the next playlist. And I'm going to bring Rob back into this picture dealing with Roman Catholicism. And at the time we're videotaping this, this little video about our YouTube channel, C Answers TV, we have 186 videos just on the subject of Roman Catholicism. Mm. I, my goal is to hit 200. But uh, you can see there, number one slot is a former priest for 22 years, uh, Richard Bennett, followed by what we've already discussed, Rob Zins taking on the uh, Monsignor. Then, of course, my debate against the uh, Roman Catholic apologist, professor of philosophy at St. Edwards University. That was a two-hour debate, and boy, did he get hot under the collar. But anyway, uh, then we, this fourth video in this lineup, it's got over 61,000 views. Is by my good buddy, Rob Zins again. Okay, you can see here, we're taking one of our Roman Catholic videos, which are legion, and it's called Historical Split Between Roman Catholicism and the Christ of the Scripture. Man's Word or God's Word? And, of course, that video has over 61,000 views. And I'm going to use this because there's a multitude of your videos, Rob, on mm -hmm. our channel, yeah. particularly on this subject of Roman Catholicism. Yeah. But just for our viewers' sake and a quick synopsis, uh, what would you be talking about in this particular video? Well, as I recall, we wanted to identify the point in history where Rome's expanded doctrine took place. You know, we believe the Word of God is the finished Word of God, and we don't believe in the so-called expanded or elastic doctrines, where Rome actually believes that they can write Scripture by expanding the meaning of the words of the scripture that we have. Mm -hmm. And things like the, uh, the assumption of Mary, the sinlessness of Mary, and uh, the uh, authority of the Pope and Pope. All these are historical events in the Roman Catholic religion, and they claim authority to expand the meaning of passages of scripture in, in sort of an uh, elastic stretch to prove their doctrine. So we're probably talking here about a historical timeline and events that occurred on that line. That's exactly right. To bring about That's the Roman exactly Catholic right. religion. And how it deviates, as it went along, it was deviating more and more from the Word of God. Oh, my, yeah. And that's where the big split starts to take place as time goes on, because you're dealing with a bunch of religionists in this Roman church that apparently, to me, don't seem to be saved men at all. They're just making up these traditions like uh, the Pharisees did in Matthew chapter 15, mm -hmm. particularly verses 1 through 9, where Jesus condemned the Pharisees for replacing the Word of God with the traditions the, the of men. Traditions of men. Yeah. So, uh, We have done an 18-part series on early Christian church history, uh, which is available on our YouTube uh, not not Rob and me, but uh, Steve Morrison, our director of research, mm -hmm. and myself. In fact, we even produced a uh, a, uh, a website called uh, www.historycart.com, mm -hmm. covering early church history before the Council of Nicaea. Mm -hmm. And so we prove in that eighteen part video that's on YouTube right now that uh, this Roman Catholicism that we're seeing around us today in the twenty first century has nothing to do with the early Christian church. Right. And we prove by the early Christian church writers that that's actually the case. And uh, 
anyway, it's there. I'm just another little plug for some of our other videos that we've done. Uh, so this video that we're doing here is not the only thing that we have on, on church history pertaining to uh, Roman Catholicism and, and history, but I, I think it needs a lot of attention just because so many Roman Catholics are basing their their faith on this church that supposedly is historically reliable, mm. which we're out to prove is not. And right. That they should just forget all this Roman Catholic history and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as presented in the scriptures, the Holy exactly. Bible. And there's plenty of evidence for that. But anyway, getting back to this chart. We see here, uh, from what you're seeing, uh, you have this break off from the original church going back to the first centuries before the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. You see here in 523, we have this doctrine of purgatory coming along, then 754, temporal power, 847 A.D., the decretals of Isidore, 858, donation of Constantine, 1075, uh, greatest mass divorce in history, forced upon clergy by Gregory VII. And I could read through all that, but since we're going to cover it all in detail as we go mm -hmm. through the chart. Yeah. But that's basically what this break-off is, as you see on our initial chart. And there's a question at the bottom of this which says, which will you choose, man's word or God's word? And it's our position that you should always choose God's word and not man's word. <laughs> and even Jesus made that pretty obvious in Matthew chapter 15. To anyone that's out there, pull out your Bible, check that out when you have the time, and read what Jesus said about the traditions of men. Okay, now, uh, Rob, you're our expert here. Uh, basically, I'm going to uh, read the the Roman Catholic Convention mm -hmm. that took place, and then I'd like you to kind of elaborate on the uh, scriptural references and things on the other side of the column, as our viewers at home can see what we're seeing. And then you can make any comments along the line. You don't have to read everything verbatim, but mm -hmm. you can play off what you're reading there and say anything you like. When you're done, I'll then go to the next point and uh, go from there. Okay, here in the year 593 AD, we have this doctrine of purgatory. Rome invented purgatory. Quote, it is a faith that there is a place we call purgatory where petty faults or the temporal punishment due to sin are expiated. And, end quote. And that's by Cardinal O'Connor of Boston, the Catholic Church, the True Church of the Bible, page 178. Okay, Rob, could you pick up, the people are now seeing what's on the other side of that column, and you can kind of just elaborate a little bit here. Well, in order for there to be a purgatory, there must be a reason for purgatory. And the reason the Roman Catholic religion gives for purgatory is that punishment due sins yet remains after death. So in the Roman Catholic religion, the sins of the Roman Catholic are actually follow or, or chase them into this place called purgatory. And then in purgatory, it used to be terrible suffering, terrible pain, fire uh, licking at the body constantly. That was the picture presented by the old Catholic theologians. Now they've toned that down a little bit and they call it a place of catharsis, a place of cleaning, and so forth and so on. But look, the, the idea of it is that you have sins that you have to pay for. Well, in order for there to be a purgatory, there must be a reason for purgatory. And the reason the Roman Catholic religion gives for purgatory is that 
punishment due sins yet remains after death. So in the Roman Catholic religion, the sins of the Roman Catholic are actually follow or, or chase them into this place called purgatory. And then in purgatory, it used to be terrible suffering, terrible pain, uh, fire uh, licking at the body constantly. That was the picture presented by the old Catholic theologians. Now they've toned that down a little bit and they call it a place of catharsis, a place of cleaning, and so forth and so on. But look, the, the idea of it is that you have sins that you have to pay for in purgatory. The blood of Christ wasn't enough to pay for The them. blood of Christ wasn't enough. And, and we, look at the, we look at the passages in the New Testament. There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Uh, for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. We know from the New Testament, Larry, that the death of Jesus Christ was sufficient to pay the penalty for all sins, past, present, and future. So if we as Christians are in Christ, we are covered by the blood of Christ. It's his atonement that satisfies the wrath of God. It's his atonement that enables us to be reconciled with God. It's his atonement that redeems us from the marketplace of sin and puts us in right relationship. To say that there is more that we must do indicates that there was something that we were doing on earth and didn't complete, and now we must complete it in a place called purgatory. Well, that's just the opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the testimony of God's word. God's word says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can see we've got a, a lot of videos here. We're just going to scroll through this. And you can see there, as we scroll down through it all, you'll see Rob popping up in there, Dr. James White, me, a lot of Rob. I look like I saw Jerry Maddox in there. You debated him a couple of times mm -hmm. in some debates. As I'm just looking at there, there's another one of your debates. There's James White again. That's our 16-hour video series on Roman Catholicism way back in 1990. It just keeps going and going and going. And just Rob is just all over the place in there. There's your Boston College debate. Mm -hmm. You're with James White against, uh, I seem to recall, St. Genis and Scott Butler. Scott Butler yeah. that, was a, that was like a four-hour debate, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was heavy duty that day. That's right. And uh, so people are getting a good view. There's James White again. Just all the videos we have out. We have a lot of Richard Bennett in there. For 186 videos, <laughs> you can get uh, debates with Roman Catholic apologists. You can get former priests and nuns. You can get uh, theological analysis of Roman Catholic doctrines dissected by biblical theology and all the rest of it. It's just all right there. We've got... John MacArthur in there and some places and other notable theologians. Okay, after all that Roman Catholicism stuff that we have on our playlist there, you see we have a playlist on Darwin's metaphysical evolution religion, which deals with the mythology of Darwin's religion of metaphysical evolution, uh, which flies directly in the face of what the scripture teaches about creation. Are there any scientific evidences for a young earth 
And what are they? And we have on the chart here for folks at home, and I'll go to it, and I'm going to have Dr. Gerard start to analyze each point. But we're going to look at evidences for a young earth, and point number one uh, states, too much helium in hot rocks. Now, it's, uh, you know, are we talking about rock and roll here or what? Uh, go ahead and explain that to all right. our folks at home. Um, the uh, U.S. government did a survey all the way back in the 1970s in which they took very, very deep core samples from the center of the earth, from, from very far down in the earth, in which they were measuring um, various uh, uh, structural qualities of what they call Precambrian granites, what they believe to be the oldest basement rock on the face of the earth. And what they found in those granites was something very peculiar. They knew the granites were hot. They measured the temperatures to be over 200 degrees centigrade. Mm -hmm. But they found helium gas trapped in the zircon crystals in those rocks. Now the problem with that is this. If that helium gas was heated to the temperature that those rocks were, it would only take between six and 7,000 years for all of that helium to be pushed out of the rock. Hot gases escape out of the rock, and they escape to cooler temperatures, which would be closer to the surface. But there was still helium in that rock. Where did the helium come from? And this is one of the strongest evidences for a young Earth because there are no assumptions involved with this. It takes four and a half billion years for uranium to go all the way down its decomposition, its, its radioactive decay scale, to turn into helium. So that helium would not have been supplied fast enough from any radioactive material around there. But the key is that within six to 7,000 years, all that helium would have been forced out of that rock, and yet it's still there. Absolute evidence of a very young age for what the scientists say, what the evolutionists believe, are the oldest rocks on the face of the Earth. And I want to stress this very, very strongly. You don't need to make any assumptions in this except that the laws of chemistry and physics always work. <laughs> Outstanding. So the, the mere fact we have so much helium in those rocks tells us that we're dealing with a very, very young age for those rocks, less than 7,000 years. That, Strong that, indicator. You know, a lot of people have a lot of difficulty with that, but when you're talking about evolution, it's something that's been so indoctrinated in all of us. Uh, you get it in your religion. You, the seminaries teach it. A lot of religions teach evolution. And then uh, this religion of evolution as we believe it to be. I, I believe evolution is a religion. It's just religious faith that uh, we, you know, for origin of a mindless universe and billions of years and the Big Bang and all that kind of thing. It's just a religious concept. And Larry, it's interesting that even the evolutionists say that, and I keep going back to Sir, mm -hmm. Carl, uh, Sir Karl Popper, who is called the greatest philosopher of science who ever lived, who is an evolutionist, and who says flatly that evolution is not a scientific theory, but a metaphysical research program. He goes on to say it's important to show, therefore, that Darwinism is not a scientific theory, but metaphysical. He calls it the equivalent of a religious belief. Right. Very good. And, and, and I think, Doctor, you're aware of, I, I think, a Dr. Barone. Louis uh, Barone. Louis Barone, a, a French scientist. French scientist says, said, evolution ahead. is a fairy tale for grown-ups. This theory has helped nothing in the progress of science. It is useless. And Louis Barone is an evolutionist, and yet listen to what he's saying. Evolution is a fairy tale, a fairy tale for grown-ups. It's a myth. Dr. T. N. Tamissian of the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission went on to say at one point that those scientists who go about teaching that evolution is a fact are great con men. Con men. 
Well, it seems like uh, in, when it comes to evolution, it's just storytelling. It's yes. like who can come up with the best story? And, and the other problem with it, Larry, is that no matter what evidence we purport to disprove it, they simply change the theory. Right. And even the evolutionists, several evolutionary scientists have said, wait a minute, our theory is so plastic, it can explain everything no matter what you find, so that there's no way to disprove it, which means that it is technically not a scientific theory. Right. In order to qualify as a scientific theory, again, back to Popper, you must be able, at least in principle, to theoretically or actually disprove a scientific mm -hmm. theory. Since evolution cannot be disproven, it doesn't even account for a theory. And just to reiterate one more time, as we've been talking, evolution is simply a religious belief, and people will not look at facts sometimes when their religion gets in the way. Exactly. <laughs> Let me just so, make one other comment. Okay. We're talking here about evidences for the age of the earth. Mm -hmm. We need to remember that this is the area that most people will question the scriptures. Mm -hmm. This is in accordance with Second Peter 3, uh, mm -hmm. uh, verse 4. This is the area that in the latter days we should expect most people to question, is this age of the earth? And regardless of what someone's technical background is, everyone has seen on television the millions and billions of years that's purported for dinosaur fossils or whatever it is, so that this becomes the chief area in which people attack the scriptures. There are more scientific measurements that document a young age of the earth than there are that document an old age of the earth. And I would say this, there is not one old age measuring device that is not so seriously flawed that it should not be totally dismissed. Very well said. Next, as our viewers can see on the screen, we have our playlist on Seventh-day Adventists. It's called Dealing with Seventh-day Adventism and Their Prophetess. And as you can see there, our first video on that playlist of 47 videos is former Seventh-day Adventist pastor for 13 years, gives his testimony why Adventism is wrong. And that video has over 306,000 views. Now, that's Dale Ratzliff, an ex-Seventh-day Adventist pastor for over 13 years. And he has an excellent ministry, which I recommend to anyone that needs more reliable information on Seventh-day Adventism to contact his ministry through his website, which is www.lifeassuranceministries.org. Excellent site. A lot more information on Seventh-day Adventism and documentation referencing to that religion. All right, next on that Seventh-day Adventist uh, playlist, we see Seventh-day Adventists glorify Ellen G. White and a white Jesus in San Antonio SDA Conference. And that video there has over 322,000 views. I was at that conference. It had over 70,000 Seventh-day Adventists in attendance there in San Antonio. It, was, it wasn't that long a drive for me to get from Austin over there. And so me and my camera guy went out there, and uh, here's just a few clips from that video. Here, you can see in this booth, you got a lot of pictures of Ellen G. White, who's the founder and prophetess of the Ellen G. White. You can see a thing down there saying what we believe, getting to know Ellen White for teens. So she's key in understanding how they understand what the Bible teaches. Well, okay. this is what the original Adventist message was teaching. The original Adventist well, message. The early Daniel Hopefully it's not teaching pagan Rome. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's identifying oh, okay. the Daniel Revelation prophecy. Ah, okay, okay got you. So the point that he's making here is one, almost one third of the chart involved Muslims as well. Okay, oh, Muhammad, yeah, I see it. Right. Okay. And so when we talk to Muslims, we have something to share that's very different than other groups. Okay, so what is the significance of this chart? 
The significance is to let Adventists know that historically we have seen a role of Islam in Bible prophecy. Right. That allows us to connect with them. Way in advance. Okay. Way in advance, yes. And then and especially does that silent. mean like all the way back to 1844? Yeah, this is the 1853 or the 1860 chart, different things. Oh, wow, you got a whole big one yeah. right here. So this is something that my friend takes and he goes and speaks to Muslims directly. Oh, so this, this is a Muslim outreach? Yes. Oh, okay. That's... Uh, we're in front of another exhibit here at the Convention Center in San Antonio, and they've got something here. If you get the camera shot of this, it says, this is the very place. It says Ellen G. White, 1905, and they've got a, they've got a display here with a wagon and everything. And I'm going to come over here and read this. It says, uh, Ellen G. White, a founder of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and ardent supporter of both education and helpful living, first visited Loma Linda on June the 12th, 1905. She, she and her son Willie arrived by express wagon from Redlands and met John Burden, who two weeks earlier had put a $1,000 deposit to hold the bankrupt property, which the former owners had renamed Loma Linda. While viewing the buildings and grounds, Ellen, G., Ellen White said, Willie, I have been here before. He responded, no, Mother, you have never been here. This is the very place the Lord has shown me, for it is all familiar, she answered. Although Mrs. White had never been to Loma Linda before, she recognized the property as the very place she had been envisioned nearly four years earlier. Emphasizing the need to move forward with the purchase of the land, she told the group, we must have this place. We should reason, uh, we, we should reason from cause to effect. The Lord has not given us this property for any common purpose. So now we know that through a vision on this wagon, you can probably get a better view of it from this side. Now, I just got the complete story by reading it. So thank you. Yeah, so that's where she, she realized that Loma Linda, I guess that's where they put their university on that site. So pictures, you know, you got all these pictures of uh, looks like a, uh, a white Anglo-Saxon Jesus. Uh, just like, uh, oh, look at this. Got to get this. You got Jesus in front of the Alamo. <laughs> I never would have thought of that one. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's only seven bucks for that one. You know? uh, so you get the white Anglo-Saxon Jesus uh, to uh, uh, display on your wall. Okay. Uh, of course, I, I think there's something in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and also uh, Exodus chapter 20 against that kind of stuff, but anyway. We're all the remnant church. Okay, so the remnant church, uh, but in the, is that just referring to Seventh-day Adventists or is that referring to everybody that says they're a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> You're asking the wrong one. Uh, okay, just had a quick question about the title of your, your company, Remnant Publications. What does that what does that mean? Is that all the Christians are the remnant in the world? Because not everybody's a Christian. There's a lot of Muslims. There's a lot of Buddhists. What does remnant mean? <laughs> well, we thought it was a great name. Okay. We thought it was a good name. So it, it means it just means we have you know just like it just means it's a good name. It's a, we're not trying to be, be you know put down anybody or put up anybody. We're just, uh -huh. Because it's a great name, we have um, good books that are Bible-based Christian books. Oh, okay. So remnant just remnant just means it can be any Christian. Like if I was a Jehovah's Witness, I would be part of that remnant. 
Is that, I mean, I'm just curious. Well, we're just, we just have the remnants of remnant, there's a name. We're not, we're not advocating that we're, uh -huh. um, you know, something different than someone else. We're just, it's just remnant publication. Oh, it's just the name y'all chose. It's a name, okay. it's a chosen name for, for Bible-based books. Okay. Which obviously, you know, that, that's all. It's just Bible it doesn't have anything to do with Seventh-day Adventism. Remnant? Or I well, just... we believe, you know, we're Seventh-day Adventists, yeah. Okay. So but, do you think they would be part of that remnant or are they just part of the general general whatever calls itself Christianity? We think what again? I mean, you're asking about for the name. Yeah, yeah, the remnant. I was just curious about the word remnant, you know. Uh, yeah, did you understand what the word remnant means? Yes, it okay. means part of, well, like remnant. a section of, like, well, you remnant know. Remnant means the beginning. Uh -huh. You know, the remnant, like a remnant of a carpet would be beginning of the role. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So whatever's remaining, something like, you know, if you have a, a rock, if part of it breaks off and there's a little part of it, that could be a remnant of Certainly. of the big rock. Right. So that little break off rock would just be the remnant. Whereas the rest of that rock wouldn't be part of that remnant. The remnant is well, different. The remnant was part of the rock. Yeah, yeah. So it it used to be part. Okay. Right. So, so it's, not, it's not separated. It's okay. Part I, I was just curious because I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm remnant publications. You know, it's an interesting name for. Do you think it's a good name? Yeah, I just, uh, I, I like the name. It's just like to get the. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate that. The past with the future. All right. I'll add it to my bag. But anyway, thank you for. Help and explain that. Y'all take care now. Okay. okay. You got you got uh, dragons. Uh, this looks like uh, the vision from Daniel. Uh, you got uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm posing with the uh, the uh, skeleton here. I, uh, really, I think he's he's harmless myself. But every now and then he moves around. He stopped moving when I walked over here. Maybe he's scared of me. <laughs> no, I'm not afraid. I think he is. He stopped moving. He was moving until I came over here, and all of a sudden he stopped. So you know, we were hoping maybe, to get a Maybe he saw that you didn't have a sticker. Oh, is that what it was? He yeah, he, uh, he uh, you know, we wanted to get an action shot on our video, and then all of a sudden he Stop moving, oh, but I, okay. I guess he moves every now and then, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you got to snap your finger? That's not working. All right. Well, thank you anyway. Huh? Yeah. You got? Can you do that? Oh. All right. All right. We're taking a video. Can you get him to move? You have to snap. Ah, there you go. Yeah, he moved some. That's all. Okay. You got that? You got it? He finally moved. All right. <laughs> All right. So we get a little action shot here. I didn't realize you had to snap. My, my finger snapping wasn't too good at first. He's just going to get a video of me standing next to these guys, if that's all right. So, so here, here I am standing next to LMG. What, what's his name again? Uh, James White. I, I couldn't remember his first name, but James White and Ellen. And it's kind of cool to be, be here in history. All right, you see, I'm, I'm making history here at the Seventh-day Adventist Convention. Now, I want you to notice uh, to our viewers that 
everywhere they got a picture of Jesus, just like the Mormons do, uh, of a white Anglo-Saxon guy. Looks like he's an American. Uh, and all their pic depictions of Jesus are exactly like that, even though we know in the scripture uh, that uh, Jesus was, you know, a, a Jewish person from over in the Middle East, so he wouldn't look anywhere near like that. And we also know from Isaiah 53 that if you looked at him, you wouldn't think anything of it. So he wouldn't bring any special. I just all I'm basically saying is uh, all the depictions of Jesus are always showing some kind of good-looking guy. But from what you find in the scripture, particularly Isaiah 53, is uh, you wouldn't think that really by looking at him from what the scripture says. Okay. Whoa! Look at this. Whoa! We got a Roman, an actual Roman soldier here. <laughs> I didn't see him before. He's he's making me look. You know, I just did that. But all right, that's kind of cool. <laughs> question, and we complicate things just a bit. Seeing someone at microphone number four, Dennis Meyer. Can we just go to the vote? All in favor, show your cards, please. All opposed, please show your cards. It is carried. I believe we have completed the items that have been brought before us. Here we are. We just came out of that session. We're getting ready to close down anyway. We're going to start heading back to the car to get our newsletters and all our other stuff, see what we can do. But I'm going to start walking this way, and I'll talk a little bit as I go. Okay, what was amazing about that, uh, what we just witnessed in there, they're voting on a, on a uh, some kind of statement on their confidence in Ellen G. White. Uh, There's a spirit of prophecy. Uh, we were... We were just about to leave. Uh, you know, listening to this kind of stuff is not really our shtick. But anyway, we're about to leave, and, and we missed them putting up the green cards a couple of times. And, uh, but then when they brought up this new amendment about whether they're going to have confidence in uh, LMG White, their prophetess, uh, I told Dan, my cameraman, uh, hey, let's hang around. And, Maybe they'll put the green cards up again, <laughs> get that on camera, uh, since we missed it the other times. And so we decided to stay, and it turns out that we, we just happened to be here when they're voting on having confidence in their own prophetess that started this whole Seventh-day Adventist thing. So I couldn't resist that. We had to hang around to find out. And then, of course, they spent some time wanting to make minor changes on the statement about their confidence in the prophetess. So, uh, but we, we stuck it out in there until they finally voted. And of course, they, they have confidence in L.G. White, their spirit of prophecy. Uh, very similar to what we already knew would happen anyway, because we were at their exhibition, uh, all those exhibits over at the convention center, and all the books about L.G. White, the posters, the pictures, uh, all the other things. So it was a foregone conclusion. But anyway, we just happened to be there when they're expressing their support for their prophets. Next on that list is by another former Seventh-day Adventist, Wallace Slattery, who's written a book on the subject, and it's called Cult of Ellen G. White Number 1, Beginnings of the 19th Century Religion Called Seventh-day Adventism. That one has over 111,000 views. Number four on that playlist is called Is Sabbath Keeping Essential? To be a real Christian, former SDA pastor 
answers this question. That one's got over 52,000 views. Number five there is Ellen White's Seventh-day Adventism qualifies as a pseudo-Christian anti-Christ American cult. And that one has over 554,000 views. Now looking at the overall playlist, you can see it's got 47 videos which will go into detail on this religion. One thing I would like the viewers to notice is the video we have on that playlist called Former Seventh-day Adventist Pastor Exposes the Lies and Intentional Deceits of Ellen White and the SDA. You can see it here by Dale Ratzliff. And as you can see, this video has 321,000 views at the time of this recording. And uh, continues to be getting a large number of views each and every day. Then after that, we have a whole playlist dealing with anti-Trinitarians, such as the United Pentecostal Church, as one example. And we have plenty of videos on that same playlist about early church history, which, interestingly enough, we have a lot of the same videos on our Roman Catholicism playlist because early church history explodes Roman Catholicism, <laughs> which is always interesting to me because they use early church history like, oh, it's supposed to prove they're the true church, when really early church history destroys Roman Catholicism as the first Christian church on the planet with Pope Peter, as you're well aware of, Rob. Uh, another early church father was uh, Theophilus, Bishop of Antioch. Now, Theophilus, um, he wrote, he had, uh, as you can see, he wrote about 166 to, and he died either 181 AD or 188 AD, we're not sure. He was the first person that we have on record to use the word Trinity. Uh, and, um, and the way he uses it is kind of uh, in an offhand way, like he already presumed that his readers had, were already familiar with the term. So it had been probably used prior to that, it's just he, they weren't, you, you know, we, we, we don't have the written records of it. And um, uh, but ever since Ignatius uh, and and the earliest fathers, who we call Jesus is God and everything, it's like there was no um, there was no debate about the basic concepts behind the Trinity, but the word uh, itself. This is the first use of that. Uh, Irenaeus of Lyon, uh, which is actually kind of an outpost of Christianity, you might say, in France. Uh, he was an extremely influential. Uh, writer who was quoted by many early ones, and what he set out to do was to write a listing of every single uh, cult and other religion of his time, and it was quite a, quite extensive, showing all the all the different groups and what was wrong with them and why Christianity was reasonable. And so his basic work is called Irenaeus Against Heresies. So you're basically saying Irenaeus was sort of like a first century. Uh, Walter Martin, yes. uh, with his uh, Kingdom of the Cults, right, 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 famous right. in the twentieth century, right, and and and, <laughs> and and for that time, written on the manuscripts, Irenaeus's work was pretty massive, also, and um, and and he taught and many some of the groups we only know uh, from what him what he wrote, and also he I, Irenaeus was a disciple of Polycarp, who, if you remember, was a disciple of John the Apostle, <laughs> and Irenaeus had a disciple named Hippolytus, and Hippolytus. Uh, wrote a refutation of all heresies too, kind of like an uh, updated version of what Irenaeus did. And he wrote about a few other groups, uh, such as the, the, the Nicenae, uh, for example, and they're the ones who were who liked the who had the book, the Gospel of Thomas, which uh, some Jesus seminar people today really like. And they were um, 
uh, uh, Hippolytus was aware of them, Irenaeus was not. And so we uh, conjecture that they probably started around that time and were not any earlier than that. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the next very influential church writer that we're going to just briefly highlight is Clement of Alexandria. Uh, and he wrote about uh, 193 to either 217 to 228. He also used the word Trinity. He also wrote, wrote a hymn about Christ, uh, you know, praising him as God. Now, he tried to co-op the term Gnostic. Gnostic means like one in the know. The next guy is a very interesting guy named Tertullian. Uh, reading, he was a lawyer, worked as a lawyer, uh, before he became a Christian and perhaps while he was a Christian too. And reading his stuff, you just kind of get the sense that here is a really brilliant guy uh, using, his, using his mind for Christ. Um, he is kind of the one most people think of. In fact, one book I read erroneously said that he was the first one to use the word Trinity. Uh, but he wrote a lot about it. Now, the reason he wrote about it is because there was an alternative belief called Sabellianism. Now, uh, Sabellians uh, have some similarity uh, in their belief about God to oneness uh, Pentecostals today. Uh, except they're opposite in a few points. But uh, they said that, you know, there's only one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are God. So far, so good. Uh, but then they said that the Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, one form of, of uh, kind of called modalism, said that they are the same. There is only one person. There is another variant form called dynamic modalism that says the Father became the Son, became the Spirit. But either way, they don't show a distinction. And so you just kind of just have to say, you know, at Jesus' baptism, uh, what happened? You know, when the Father spoke and the dove came down, you know, Jesus was not a, a ventriloquist and, 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 and Jesus was not a magician to like give the appearance of three and, and deceive all the people. There really are three distinct beings in one inseparable God. And, 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 and anyway, uh, there Praxius, who apparently was influencing the Bishop of Rome, was kind of bringing the church that way. And, and Tertullian stood up and said, no, this is wrong. This is what the Trinity is. And, and, and he, besides you know, showing from, from the verses in the Bible, he also had a lot of illustrations. Uh, j just for example, uh, basically put in modern terms, has anybody seen the sun? Has anybody felt the sun? No, you really haven't. The sun, 93 million miles away, you've never seen it. But what you have is you've seen the rays from the sun. Okay, you, 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 felt the, you, you felt the heat from the sun. Okay, so has anybody seen God the Father? Well, directly, no. But Jesus is the image uh, of the invisible God. So just like we see the sun's rays, you know, we see the Father through the sun. Um, and, and just like we feel the, we, we can see the effects of God through the Holy Spirit working. And so those are like, um, th you know, three parts. Uh, 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 they're they're not they're they're not separated from each other, but they the, but they're actually distinct. And so he had uh, 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 some analogies like that. Okay, then we have our multiple playlists, which is actually a bunch of playlists on different topics. And as you go through that multiple playlist, you see the first one there is on atheism and agnosticism. So we deal with all those guys and their arguments against the scripture. And this this New Testament Greek. that you have. Oh, and this was this was yes. written the first year after G J C. Madam, you know, Christ in the history of the world, any other time what, in the world, Mrs. Murray, are you contributing? I'm contributing, I hope some reason. We have a person on the phone. Would, would you compare yes, yourself of course to uh, our hello? Lord favorably? Yes, yes, what we oh, have. listen, I wouldn't even let him lick my boots. 
Jesus Christ has not influenced the total world uh, because Christianity has a very small hold on a very small part uh, of the uh, total world population. And it always has. It's been extremely localized in Europe uh, and uh, then uh, over to the United States. And um, there's a kind of a, a funny version of it down in South America, which has to do uh, more with their own pagan religions down there than it has to do with the so-called Christianity, because there are overlaps in that culture. So actually, uh, I don't think that in the history of the world he has had as much a an impact as Confucius, or as Buddha, or as um, uh, uh, many of the other figures uh, of this kind. He, he is particularly known to us in our culture because we stress him. But uh, go to many other parts of the world, and he's completely unknown, has been. John, can I say something? Right. Uh, but yet a moment ago, unhesitatingly and unblushingly, you affirm first the historicity of Confucius, about whom we have even less data than Jesus Christ. How do you account for this? Now, this is your opinion. Again. And Quote here, now, now you are an expert on Chinese no, history. No, ma'am. I'm an expert on comparative religion. You're an expert Quote on me the physics. Sources. No, I'm and not. And you're an expert on no. Chinese history. No, no. You're an comparative religion. religion. I didn't bring... You noticed that you... You said Confucius. Now, I want to tell... Uh, let me tell you oh, something. Oh, no. You said Confucius. You keep quiet. Tell me how you know he exists. I will keep quiet. You have you with you a gentleman me. tonight no, who has brought along a suitcase full of books so that you can quote them. I have You know what I brought along? I brought along nothing. I'm perfectly I agree willing. with that 100%. I am perfectly Nothing. willing for you to send me a letter down in dear old Austin, Texas, and I will send you the historic proof for Confucius. I didn't bring it with me tonight. I'm not concerned about that. No, just one moment. I you, don't have to You don't know anything it. about it. You Here gotta we go. go you you are gotta go back to Austin to look it up. You are also an expert on education of Madeline Murray. No. I'm an expert on one thing. Madeline Murray. On St. Martin's Murray, version of the Holy Ma Bible. Madeline Murray with her society of separationists, makes statements and gets a lot of publicity on the idea you that hate she... That, don't you? No, I don't. I think you, you just love I think you have a right, I think you have a right to do it as an American. But you know what is objected to? It's objected to the vindictive and the malicious manner in which you attack all religion and clergymen okay. and then proceed to try and make yeah, it no. look as if you're a martyr. Then the next playlist listed there is on phony TV preachers and King James onlyites. And I do want to show one thing on this thing. Now, what I want to show that's so important here is that as you look at this playlist on uh, dealing with phony TV preachers, my good buddy here in studio with me right now is Rob Zins. And now notice here on this video, it's got over 50,000 views. It's called Blasphemous, Charismatic, and Pentecostal Mayhem Number 1. Mad delusional experiences replace Scripture alone. Now, Rob, you and me did a series of videos. At the time we're sitting here right now, mm -hmm. it's already six episodes long just on this topic. And uh, I'd like you to just throw in a, a few words about it just because you're here with me and you're in the video. So what were we talking about there? Well... There's an old saying that figures don't lie, but liars do figure. <laughs> okay? And it comes to mind, because we're dealing with people who are twisting the scriptures and taking them out of context and forcing them to say what they don't say and then building a charismatic movement from it. Now, when I say charismatic, because... 
they claim they're relying upon the impressions of Holy Spirit and uh, outside the Bible revelations to found what they're doing. Yes. But nobody can get away with this stuff unless they have some contact with Scripture. They'd mm -hmm. be a fraud right from right, the get-go. Right, right. So they have a tendency to come to the Scriptures and mangle the verses out of context, wrestle them out, and then mangle them back together again <laughs> and form new ideas, new thoughts, and crazy patterns of thought just to substantiate what they're doing. And of course, the problem of the both the, the 20th and 21st century is that there's very little systematic teaching in the churches. Therefore, right. the people sit there and they are easy sitting ducks because they can't refute these guys who go on and on about their experiences and quote a Bible passage here and there and slam them together and say this. And God that. told me this. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and he used to talk about uh, in seminary how you can take different Bible passages and put them together, you know, and how ridiculous that yes, would be. Yes. Like, Judas went out and hung himself. Go therefore and do likewise. You right. put those two passages together, what do you have? A command to go kill yourself. Yeah. You can do anything you want with Scripture. If you manipulate it, exactly. cut, paste, put it together. That's exactly what these deluded so, Charismatics and Pentecostals are doing. And we prove it in the video series with right. clips from all their activities. Yeah. Don't look at me like I'm crazy because you know what? It's going to get, and I prophesy, I prophesy under the anointing. People look at you if you jerk or shake, like something's wrong with you. Well, I want you to know the time is coming if you don't shake and jerk. It's because you're not in that river. You're not in that river of what God's doing. Wake up, church. 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 It's time. It's time. To rise, oh bride, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, oh church, arise, arise, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. No you know what? My engine's revving to go. It's revving up. How about yours? And if it's not, you know what? If your engine is not revving up, you know what you need? You need a Holy Ghost enema right up your rear end. Because God won't tolerate it. He will not tolerate anything else. Say, I've never seen this part of you. Let me tell you something. Whoa. When you allow the Spirit of God and you don't worry about man's opinions. Because you know what? It's what God cares. It's what He thinks. Be God pleasers. Don't be people pleasers. Because if you're a people pleaser, you're a butt kisser. If you're a people pleaser, you're a butt kisser. And there's no other word for it. I mean, like, you have no more time to even worry about your stinking high heels. Because you know what? We can't keep up with what God's doing. He's moving quickly. You better take him off. Take him off. And get them off. And get your combat boots on. Because he's revving. It's revving up. It's revving up. Run with the cloud. Run with the cloud. Run with the cloud. Run with the cloud.
This is Kenneth Copeland speaking on how big God is. Faith didn't come billowing out of some giant monster somewhere. It came out of the heart of a being that is very uncanny the way he's very much like you and me. A being that stands somewhere around 6'2", 6'3", that weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple of hundred pounds, a little better, has a span of eight and, I mean, nine inches across, stood up and said, Light be! And this universe situated itself and went into motion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God. Kenneth Copeland then says this 200-pound God, that's about six foot two, then created Adam, who was another God. God's reason for creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. I mean a reproduction of himself. And in the Garden of Eden, he did that. He was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. He was not um, subordinate to God even. And Adam is as much like God as you could get. Just the same as Jesus, when he came into the earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't a lot like God. He's God manifested in the flesh. And I want you to know something. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifested in the flesh. Once you understand some of this theology taught by the word faith teachers, such as Kenneth Copeland, you can understand why someone like Fred Price, another TV word faith teacher, would say what he says next. God, the Father, cannot do anything in this earth realm without permission. And who does God need to get permission from to be able to do anything? Why, of course, the other God, Adam, and his descendants, who with their force of faith can command God and allow God to do the things that he would like to do. Listen to Benny Hinn on what a great being Adam was. Adam was a super being when God created him. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether people even know this, but he was the first superman that really ever lived. <laughs> first of all, the scriptures declare clearly that he had dominion over the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, which mm -hmm. means he used to fly. Whoa. Well, of course. How can you have dominion over the birds and not be able to do what they do? Whoa. Actually, I mean, the, wait a minute. I, wait. I'll prove it to you. Wait a minute, <laughs> Benny. I've never heard that. The word dominion yes. in the Hebrew clearly declares that if you have dominion over a subject, that you do everything that subject does. In other words, that subject, if it does something you, you cannot do, you don't have dominion over it. I'll prove it further. Adam not only flew, he flew to space. He used to be, he, 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 he was with one thought, he'd be on the moon. Not only that, but Adam was both male and female, according to Kenneth Copeland.
had always been together. Even when she was still part of him, he was as much female as he was male, like God is, and God separated the female part of him and then put them back together. And she was Adam. They, they were Adam. The, he was the man, she was the woman, he, she was the man with the womb. These strange and bizarre teachings of people like Kenneth Copeland and Hagen, Fred Price, John Avancini, and so forth of the word faith teachers. They have millions of followers, millions of dollars. They're all over the television waves. They put out literature and books. They're Christian bookstores, have their materials in abundance. But what is the sum of these types of teachings that are so popular in the so-called Christian church today? Let's hear what Kenneth Copeland says about God. I was shocked when I found out who the biggest failure in the Bible actually is. Okay. You know, everybody asks, you say, who's the biggest failure? They say, Judas. Somebody else will say, no, I believe it's Adam. Well, how about the devil? He's the most consistent failure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he's not the biggest in terms of material failure and so forth. The biggest one in the whole Bible is God. Mm. Oh, what, what, what? Don't you turn that set off. <laughs> you listen to what? You, I told you now, you sit still a minute. You know me well enough. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell something that I can't prove with the Bible. Apparently, these word faith preachers with their male-female God who creates other gods can prove anything from the Bible. And since Kenneth Copeland, the popular preacher who is mimicked by hosts of other word faith preachers around the country, can prove anything from the Bible, he can say that Jesus ceased to be God and became demonized when he hung on the cross. Listen as he states this very thing. He accepted the sin nature of Satan in his own spirit. You don't know what happened at the cross. Why do you think Moses, upon the instruction of God, raised a serpent upon that pole instead of a lamb? They used to bug me. I said, why in the world you got to put that snake up there, the sign of Satan? Why didn't you put a lamb on that pole? The Lord said, because it was the sign of Satan that was hanging on the cross. He said, I accepted in my own spirit spiritual death, and the light was turned off. So Copeland says that Jesus ceased to be God became the sign of Satan and accepted spiritual death in his own spirit. This is a mockery of the gospel of Christ. I, I think that they are uh, out for the money. Oh, of course. In fact, we have and a video problem, on that. Yeah. In fact, one of our videos was Mad Delusional. That's the number one we're looking at, but then we've got a hype circus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a circus, uh, like a basketball game, a pro basketball game or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they talk about healing everybody, but they all still in the end get sick and die. Right. Uh, but uh, number four in this thing was uh, demonic gifts, but then number five is the one I want to mention because you just brought up the money situation. Right. It's called Money Grubbing Filthy Rich TV False Prophets, and we prove it. How do you so, really feel about it, Larry? I mean, um. <laughs> in that particular video, we're yeah. showing the airports and air, yeah. all the airplanes they own yeah. from ripping people off for their money. 
with all this crazy stuff, yeah. you know, Power with, the, and money. with the Benny Hens and the Kenneth Copelands and Robert Tiltons and yes. all the rest of these clowns. It's just, it's just terrible. So anyway, we, it ain't in these videos. It's not just us talking and sitting there talking about these dudes. We're actually showing clips of them from their own broadcasts, right? It, which prove our point as we're sitting there talking about these dudes. So anyone out there that's dealing with these kind of people and these, these shysters on uh, television who are bilking people for their money, because remember, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the right. love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yes, indeed. So what can I say? So I want to get that in. So as we as we leave that that phony TV preacher playlist, uh, oh, by the way, the last one on that list is titled "TV Frauds Gloria and Kendall Copeland Control the Weather and Tornadoes by Their Jesus Name Faith." So they get on their TV show and just talk about how they can stop a tornado or turn away a hurricane or all this stuff. So you know, and people believe them and give them their money. So. While we were editing this video, it came to our attention that Benny Hinn, the famous word faith preacher that once said in one of his books that there were nine gods, he later, of course, edited that out. But uh, now it's come to our attention that he is supposedly turning from a lot of his evil ways that he's done for decades in his ministry with all this word faith, prosperity gospel, uh, all the lies and deceits. I mean, this it's pretty early in this situation. I'll show you a clip here of some of this, and then we'll make some concluding comments and move on. Today, when I look at the Bible, I don't see the Bible in the same way I saw the Bible when I began. Uh, I'm into my Bible. I'm into the Word now way, way more than most people even realize. But it's for me personally. It's not so I can preach it and teach it. And, and let me just say this. Yes. I am not going to stop telling people to believe that God wants them to be blessed and to prosper and to succeed. Well, that's it's in the Bible. It's biblical. Right. And but like you said, there's just been an extreme abuse of that in certain and that's ways. what I don't want. And that's what you're, what you're getting away from, which is, which is beautiful. So, and imagine that this is all in response to their criticisms. Are you doing any of this in response to criticism? Not one of them. I don't even know what they say. I don't care to know what they say. It's not important to me what they say. All right, you heard it there from Benny Hinn, the notorious false TV prophet. And I look at this situation right now, and we are early on in this Benny Hinn so-called turning from his evil ways in many regards. But let's take a look at Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 through 10, quoting now from the New American Standard Bible, the NASB, which is my favorite translation. You see there, the header says, Judas's remorse. Now, keep in mind, this is not true biblical repentance from Judas. This is the biblical record from Matthew chapter 27. It says, Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse 
and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. And he, that's Judas, threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed. And he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury, since it is the price of blood. And they conferred together and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And they took the pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. End quote. So what I think we have here is a situation where Benny Hinn is feeling the same kind of remorse for all his evil deeds, actions, and teachings for all these decades that Judas felt for what he did in his betrayal to Jesus. It's a remorse. It's a feeling sorry about all the evil he had done. And then, of course, he went out and hanged himself. But we know from the biblical record that Judas went to hell. And he's there to this day, waiting for judgment day. So this remorse that Judas had for all his evil activity still didn't save him from an eternity in hellfire. Well, I think in my opinion at this point, at the time we're doing this video, is that the same applies to Benny Hinn. He's remorseful, at least that's what he says. But I'm not convinced he's got any kind of biblical repentance at all. And he still may be just the same old unsaved 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 guy that he's always been. And therefore, he's simply demonstrating to the world that he's like Judas was. He's remorseful, but that doesn't mean he's truly repentant, as the Bible says you must be. You must repent and truly believe. And I don't think he has. And it goes back to one of my favorite theologians named John Riesinger. John said, time and the devil will tell. So we'll see what becomes of Benny Hinn as the years roll on. But as John Riesinger always said, time and the devil will tell. Besides all that, I myself have watched some of his confession videos and they hardly seem to be much of a confession at all. So I'm really thinking all Hen's doing here is trying to reinvent himself a little bit. Uh, he's uh, actually just piling on more of his con job, snow job, hoodwink type tactics to take people down the rabbit trail he wants them to go. But I digress. Let me just point our viewers here to a video done by someone I highly respect, and I've mentioned him in some of our other videos. It's Justin Peters with Justin Peters Ministries. He's got an excellent video out called, Has Benny Hinn Repented? An Answer and a Plea on YouTube. So check out that YouTube video. It's about an hour and 50 minutes long. So there's a lot of documentation there that I'll get into this in more detail. Because as it says here in part of the description text, Benny Hinn on September the 3rd, 2019 confessed that the prosperity gospel is wrong, and he was in error for teaching it. And of course, now he's got a lot of people thinking he's really repented of 
this and a lot of the other heresies he still teaches to this day. So check out this video and see what Justin has to say about it. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well. And I want to thank you very much for joining me. I'm putting this video together because uh, in the last week or so, the buzz in the evangelical world has been that Benny Hinn has repented. I am recording this on the afternoon of Sunday, September the 8th, 2019. And uh, at the start of the week, on Monday, September the 3rd, Benny Hinn put out a video that really shocked the evangelical world in which he says that he has repented of his prosperity gospel theology and prosperity gospel preaching. Uh, this short video, is about four and a half minutes long or so, uh, went viral. And uh, it just went all over the place and uh, people were talking about it on Twitter and Facebook and all this. And so I saw it and I watched the video and I very quickly put out a statement on Twitter saying, do not be fooled. This is not repentance. And uh, I was beginning to get emails from people saying, oh, Mr. Peters, have you seen this? This is so exciting. It's such you know wonderful news. And, and uh, some people, a lot of people on social media were expressing what I would uh, describe as uh, cautious optimism. You know, not totally buying it yet. They want to see how it plays out. But they were, many people were willing to give Benny Hinn the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and so when I put up my statement saying that this is not real repentance very quickly, uh, I got a fair amount of blowback for that, and uh, it, it really troubled me because some of the blowback was actually coming from people uh, in our theologically conservative circles, even soteriologically reformed circles, and that surprised me a little bit, I suppose. So uh, I, I watched this play out over the next several days, over the course of last week, uh, I stuck stuck to my guns and said, no, this is not repentance. And uh, so I want to put this video together to, to more fully flesh out than what I'm able to do on Twitter, uh, why this isn't real repentance. And so if you will join me for the next, I don't really know how long this video is going to be, hour, hour and a half, thereabouts, uh, if you may have just seen my dog walk in. But uh, if you will join me for this video uh, I think you'll see why this is not real repentance. And uh, this is going to, I think this is going to provide a good uh, lesson for us in what real repentance actually is and what it looks like. And we'll see that this is not it. And I say that for a number of reasons. Now, some of the most important things that I will say in this video will come towards the end of it. So uh, I would I would ask that before you uh, comment in any kind of an extensive way on this video that you would at least um, uh, watch the whole thing so you can get the full context and, and see my real concerns that I will more fully flesh out towards the end of this. But we're going to look at a number of video clips of Benny Hinn. Okay, next playlist. UFOs, ghosts, magic, supernatural, spiritual warfare, Satan. That's all on occult stuff. If you're interested in that, haunted houses and all the rest of it. While we're on the subject of our occult playlist, I'd like to point out to our viewers, our number one video on that playlist is called Haunted Houses, Poltergeist, Carl Jung, Witchcraft, Magic Spells, Demon Possession, The Occult. 
I wanted to play a quick clip of that particular video. It's just packed with all types of information about the world of the occult from a biblical perspective. In this particular clip, I'm going to give my own experience of a haunted house situation that took place back when I was a boy, along with my brother, and my dad was also involved. Okay, so uh, dad and mom go off to go dancing, have a little date, and leave us behind. To, and so we're down in grandpa's old office downstairs uh, on one side of the house there, and uh, we got that old TV set down there, black and white I think it was, or something like that, and we're... Just killing time watching an old movie, Zulu, uh, you know, where that those British soldiers being attacked by all the And you know it's a it's a big time war movie, there's a lot of action and yelling and screaming and shooting and a lot of noise like that. And so we're we're watching this old movie down there, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, while that's going on, despite all the noise coming from the, the war movie, I thought I heard something that sounded like footsteps coming down the, the staircase. And, and in Grandpa's old room downstairs, there was a door that shut. Uh, and on the other side of the door, it led right to that staircase into that storage uh, thing that Dad was just talking about. Uh, and I could have sworn I heard door, footsteps coming down those, those things. So I go over there, and the, I don't think the door was shut at that point. And I said, I, I don't even know if I mentioned to you at the, on that first time. But uh, I, I, I go, and say, I thought I heard some footsteps in the staircase. And so I, I walked over there, and I looked out the door up the stairs. It was kind of dark up there, but I didn't see anything. And all of a sudden, I didn't hear any noise anymore. Right. <laughs> and uh, I said, man, I could have sworn I heard footsteps coming down the stairs. That's kind of, that's kind of spooky, you know? So I shut the door. <laughs> I shut the door. And, uh, and uh, we go back to watching the movie, right? Right. And I think the second time, that's when you might have heard something yourself, perhaps, or might have been the third time. I know I was hearing it all along. I actually heard it quite often. And, okay. Uh, so okay. I remember constant footsteps, and it was coming down the stairs. And it was. You could hear it coming down the stairs. It just it was bump, bump, bump. And it, it was, like it was getting closer. It was in sync, it was like a rhythm. It yeah. wasn't just random pops or anything it right. was in rhythm and uh so and it sounded like footsteps and uh, so coming the, down the stairs and then the second time you know this time i looked through the because that door had a window on it uh, that from grandpa's office to the staircase so this time i'm looking through the window up there but when i got over the window and looked up all of a sudden nothing no sound no anything right and i remember going Look, we're both hearing this stuff, man. And then I got a chair in Grandpa's thing, and I put it underneath the doorknob. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the chair there. This is a little freaky here. And I said, "Well, uh, but it stopped, and I didn't see anything. So let's go back to watching the movie." Yeah. You know? And so we were watching that Zulu movie. It's that was our imagination or something, you know? Right, like, right. What is this? Right. Uh, and then what happens next? Well, you hear it again, <laughs> and. 
Here it comes, stomping down the stairs. That's right. And I mean, louder and louder and louder. And, you know, like, and it's like it's getting closer. Like it's a, yeah, it's like at the top of the staircase, and you can hear it getting closer and closer coming down the staircase. Right. I mean, it was that real. Yeah. And we're both hearing it. Yeah. And uh, it was either the third or fourth time. We we lost our courage. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Because every time I went to the window to see, check it out, it would stop. Right. And I wouldn't see anything. And I was too frightened by the third or fourth time to even open the door to look out. You know, it and was so loud that I expected somebody to come through that door. That's right. Even though I had that chair wedged under there, you know, I started to think about putting other furniture over there. Right. Well, in Grandpa's room, he had a screen door that led out to the front yard. You know, his other door on the other side led out to the garage. So you got the garage here, the, the screen door leading straight out to the front yard, and then this door to the staircase. Yeah. And it was that third or fourth time that we just freaked out. <laughs> we didn't know what it was. It was basically what I call a spook house. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what it was, but uh, I had enough. Yeah, yes. Let's get out of here. (laughs) So we went flying out that front screen door to the front yard, you know, with the tarantulas crawling around. You always had tarantulas. You know, those are you you know, you can't have a spook house without tarantulas, you know. The lightning bugs and everything else. So anyway, (laughs) we just go run as fast as we can. And that was a big lot too. That 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 house in the lot was huge. A lot of pecan trees used to supply the the local grocers with pecans to those huge 100-year-old trees or whatever you have. Anyway, we're running uh, up to the main road right there in front of that street. What was that street there? That was just a... Summit Street. Summit Street, and it led right into downtown Schulenburg. Uh, so, and the rail was... The train rail was down ways. You used to hear the trains going by all the time. But anyway, we, we beelined it. Straight to downtown Schulenburg, down <laughs> Summit Street. We just, when we got far enough away from the house, we started just walking. You know, we, you know, it was like, okay, we're far enough from that house. So yeah, we're comfortable. We, yeah, we're comfortable. Let's just walk into town. But this, by this time, it was probably around 11 at night or midnight. Late. It was, it was late. In a small town like that, Schulenburg, I mean, I expected to see somebody or somebody around in the downtown part of town. So we, we, we did we ever see anybody? I don't remember seeing anybody. I don't recall. Don't yeah, I mean, we walked around. Uh, everything was closed, and, you know, there's some street lights on and stuff, but it's like, man, there's just nobody around, nobody to talk to. Uh, we're just kind of wandering around in downtown Schulenburg, and then we finally go, well, I guess we have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we have to go back. We can't do it. There's nobody here, and you know, we're, we're just wandering around in the middle of the night, so let's just go back and... Hopefully, Dad and Mom will be back, and and we can get our courage to go back in the house. Right? Uh, so, uh, so we did, and I guess we weren't back in the yard. I stand outside the house that long before Dad and Mom right. come pulling up. Right and now, this takes us back to you, Dad. You see us yeah. out there in the yard. Yeah, I wondered what in the world y'all doing out in the middle of the night in the yard. You know? And that's when y'all told me about all this stuff. I said, well, that's not unusual. I mean, I, <laughs> it's not unusual. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've always heard pops and stuff downstairs. Down. Yeah, but you investigated when you were growing up there and all yeah, that stuff. And, but it always disappeared when you would yeah, go check well, it out. Mainly after my parents were gone and, uh-huh. you know, I was coming out there by myself or something. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Then we have our playlist on radio shows and music videos. So any music videos we happen to have, they'd be on that playlist along with any radio shows. We used to, I used to have a radio show for Christian Answers on a local Christian radio station. And so we did a lot of interviews with Christian authors and speakers mm. and apologists from around the country. So there's a lot of interesting stuff there if people are interested in that. Man is good and evil on this planet Earth and every planet that man reigns in the universe. This is why there has to be dominance on a planet of people. They just can't evolve out of the sea like wild weeds. Okay, Irina, let's, give, let's give Bill a chance. Bill? Yeah, first. Thus spoke Irina, <laughs> the space goddess. <laughs> And this is a very popular subject on the circuit. This is something that we hear from quite a bit. It seems like almost on a daily basis, you know, you can get on to some talk show and they'll be talking about UFOs or abduction cases and so forth. In fact, they've been dealing with this, I think, on some of the learning and discovery channels. Now, these are the channels that always come on and and say that Christianity, they they reduce it down to a man-made religion, Mm -hmm. lump it together with all the other primitive... Uh, superstitious religions and say science has discovered this and then they'll flip over and start getting into UFOs and so forth and so on and almost giving credibility to what you see on the uh, on the magazine news magazines the scandal magazines and so forth like that are we really seeing or at least thinking we're seeing uh, interspace or interstellar travelers I believe that there uh, see there's two main schools within what we call UFOlogy There's a one system of school that says that these are nuts and bolts machines from a different world. And then there's the other school that seems to be smaller. Uh, It's it's much smaller in the United States. And that is the interdimensional school that say that UFOs are real, but they're from a different dimension. We don't know much about this dimension, but they could even be from a spiritual dimension. And I say, bingo, that's it. I think that all the evidence leads, leads to that that UFOs are really being seen. There's something like more than 15 million Americans that have seen a UFO. I, I, a good way of putting it is UFOs come, come from the realm of shadows, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It comes from the realm of what poltergeists and ghosts and, and spiritual things like that. And I contend, and I developed this, and I think I've proven it conclusively in my book, that if you understand what demonology is, you know what UFOs are. As you've just seen, we have a lot of great Christian authors and speakers as guests covering a wide range of theological topics. But down on the list, you can see where our music videos are. And I wanted to draw attention to the fact that my daughter, Marlena, sings and writes her own Christian music. You can see in many of the thumbnail pictures are videos of my daughter and some of the songs she has sung. And her songs are also performed on a Christian radio here in town as well. I'll uh, give a sample to our audience of one of her songs at the end of this video. Oh, one thing I ought to say about these playlists on the multiple playlist playlists, to actually see those, you just click on each one individually, and it'll, it'll go to that particular one. But uh, anyway, okay, here you see our playlist on Black Muslims and Louis Farrakhan, and we cover all their teachings about white devils, and which are white people, according to their theology, and, and how part of the moon hit the earth, and all of Farrakhan's favorite teachings, and Elijah Muhammad, and all the rest. We've got stuff on that in case you uh, happen to run into some of their, their followers there. The following is a clip from our video 
The Nation of Islam Revisited, number three, debating Louis Farrakhan and the black Muslims. Back on, Dwayne. Okay. Answer that question. Okay. What was the first question? Uh, okay. Do you believe this statement? Blacks, uh, the black race created the heavens and the earth and created themselves. Do you believe that? Okay. First of all, we don't teach that the black race created the heavens and the earth and created themselves. We believe that Almighty God was the only thing in existence in the beginning. Do you believe Elijah Muhammad? I be yes, I believe in the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. This is what he said. He this is right from his book. Created the heavens and the earth. This he is the reference. I'll give you the reference. You no, he'll reference? give you the reference. It's page 42 of Elijah Muhammad's book, copyright 1965. His book entitled Message to the Black Man. This is from Elijah Muhammad, and you should be able to get your hands on that book. I have, page I have 42. copies in my house right now. Okay, look on page 42. Now let me ask you the next question. The white race are all devils. Do you believe that? You're well, a devil if you are the devil. That's why God, Jesus well, says in chapter 8, verse 44 of John, that you are of your father the devil. Okay, so a lie and a murder in the beginning and abided not in the truth. We know about those verses, which according you're to what you're saying, we don't know if, if those if are true or not because you don't devil, think the Bible's then true. Where but, are these devils at? Well, well how do you know that's is, true? The question is the white race, or that's all I ask. The white race are all devils. Do you believe that? Okay, in your Bible. I'm going to show you. I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about this statement. The no, white I'm race. It in your Bible. The Wait, white race are all devils. Bible, right? Just answer the question, yes or no, Dwayne. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay, okay. okay. That's, then you agree Bible. with Elijah Muhammad. That was stated in his book, though, in The Message to the Black Man, pages yes, 11, 23, 51, 68, and 208. Now the last question. The white race was created 6,000 years ago by a crazed black scientist named Hello? Jacob. Is Hello? that true? We're still here. Hello? Yeah, you're We're here. here. Okay. Is that true? Okay. The, the black scientist Jacob, did he create the white race 6,000 years ago? Hello? He yes, said sir. yes, sir. Oh, okay. So you believe that. Okay. Yes, so you got you, you agree with Elijah Muhammad on two out of three of these points no, I just I believe in him on all of them. <laughs> now, okay, Dwayne, so you, you believe the black race created the heavens and the earth and created themselves. The, most you, honorable Elijah Muhammad says that the original man is the black man. The original man is made in the image of God, thus making the God black. Heading through here, the rest of these playlists, you have the playlist, which is also listed already above on Seventh-day Adventism. Then you have a playlist on Mormonism, which covers all our videos about that particular religion. There had to be a time when they worshipped many gods. Uh, we don't worship many gods. I don't, I don't understand how you guys think we worship many gods. Well, that's the point. We worship God the Father. You don't have to worship. We want many gods to be a polytheist. You have to just even acknowledge that more than one God exists at all. Well, that separates you from Christianity. No, because we believe, we believe there is only one God we have to worry about. That is God the Father. What about Jesus? I thought he was the one. He is a God. and He is the mediator to God the Father. He's a representative. Jesus Christ is the representative for us okay. to God. See, because Jesus Christ created the world. He's the, he's the father of the world. But he doesn't deserve any worship? No, we don't bat. I do not pray to God the Father, or God the Son. You okay, so he, I do not pray to Jesus Christ. Jesus is not worthy of worship because of the Father. Worthy of worship? What do you mean? You know, bow down, worship yourself, praise you, Jesus. Lord, I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, I... I I don't understand. I guess... How can I word this? 
God the Father is who we pray to. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. So I guess you would say, yeah, we do worship Jesus Christ because it's through Him we're saved. But our God is Jesus is our Heavenly Father. He's giving given all judgment to Jesus Christ. He's given him power to Jesus Christ. But our God is God the Father. So it's wrong to actually pray to Jesus. Right. You do You're not, not to pray to Jesus or even tell him anything because it's all tell him anything. What do you mean? Or just you know, just say, Well thanks Lord for No, I didn't say that. Okay, so but you're not to worship him. Is that it depends what your definition of his worship. And you're, um, you're, you're being very wordy. No, that's not well, what I said. Well, yeah, I mean, to be able to give every bit as much of a claim and reverence as you would God. I mean, just as much. I reverence him, sure. You don't take his name in vain. In other words, what we're saying is uh, the Christian theology right now that the disagreement is with is Christians in most of your churches today will worship Jesus just as much as they worship the Father or the Holy Ghost. Give them the same authority. That's right. In other words, they're up on an equal level. They are. And what y'all are saying is the Father is up here and Jesus is a little bit down and the Holy Spirit is even further down. Something like that? No. No. Or are they all on the same page? They're just three different guys. They're just three different. And then we said that the reason we can worship us. The Father's stronger than the other two, though. Stronger? Or he's the one worship that's worshipped, and the other two are just spoken through. You can't trick the Lord. So the, the devil was a spirit just like all the rest of them. Exactly. So we're kind of like, we're like brothers with the devil or something? Exactly. So the devil is my brother. Yeah, it's a bad way to look at it, but it's true. You see, uh, now, God was the only one in the beginning, so all the other people that have been created were spirits, brothers also, you might say. Yep, that every person on the earth was in the pre-existence. And so that would include like Jesus. Exactly. So, like Jesus and the devil are brothers. Is it? The devil's my brother. Well, you know, it's kind of. I know exactly because I did sometimes. I thought, oh, what a drag. But you see, what really makes it bad is then you know the Lord has said that the devil can't tempt you more than you're able to bear. Mm-hmm. And that's a promise that's given to us, our heavenly Father. Well, if that's true, it would only stand to reason that he, if he is indeed. Our spiritual brother, if you think about it, he knows us really well. And then you have another playlist on unpopular Bible doctrines and hell and all that. The Bible has a lot of unpopular Bible doctrines in it. And I've noticed that a lot of these rich TV preachers don't seem to want to talk about any of that Mm -hmm. because they're too busy making money, as you said. So to help people understand what the Bible's talking about and to take serious the destiny of their own souls, I have a lot of stuff about Hell and unpopular Bible doctrine. (laughs) Because people don't seem to realize what kind of danger. They're like on a cliff about to fall over into a raging inferno. And they don't even realize it. They've been so duped by all these characters pretending to be Christian preachers and other false prophets. Number 35. The same disposition and habit of mind and manner of viewing things is indeed the main ground of the cavils of many of the modern free thinkers and modish writers against the extremity and eternity of hell torments, if relied upon, would cause them to be dissatisfied with almost anything that is very uncomfortable in a future punishment, 
so much as the enduring of the pain that is occasioned by the thrusting of a thorn under the nail of a finger for a whole year together, day and night, without any rest or the least intermission or abatement. There are innumerable calamities that come to pass in this world through the permission and ordination of divine providence against which, were it not that they are what we see with our eyes and are universally known in incontestable facts, this cavailing, unbelieving spirit would strongly object. And if they were only proposed in theory as matters of faith, would be opposed as exceedingly inconsistent with the moral perfections of God. And the opinions of such as asserted them would be cried out against, as in numberless ways contrary to God's wisdom, his justice, goodness, mercy, etc. And such as the innumerable calamities that have happened to poor innocent children, through the merciless cruelty of barbarous enemies, their being gradually roasted to death, shrieking and crying for their fathers and mothers, the extreme pains they are sometimes tormented with by terrible diseases which they suffer, the calamities that have many times been brought on whole cities while besieged and when taken by merciless soldiers, destroying all men, women, and children without any pity, the extreme miseries which have been suffered by millions of innocent persons, of all ages, sexes, and conditions, in times of persecution, when there has been no refuge to be found on earth. Yea, those things that come to pass universally, of which all mankind are the subjects, in temporal death, which is so dreadful to nature. And then, of course, then we also have Antichrist cults, New Age, and world religions. So there's other world religions like Buddhism, if you want to know about that, or Hinduism, or, or a lot of these New Age cults. Uh, we cover all that genre of false prophet mm. in that playlist. We have a sound clip that is from a March 1990 nationally syndicated television program. Our shelters are not to be used for anything but a nuclear war. There's no going underground. There's no plans for going underground. That is preposterous. Contrary to Guru Ma, local contractors working at various sites claim many shelters are occupied now, even though state officials have barred habitants until proper sewage systems are in place. And according to Prophet, Doomsday is less than a month away. Though she originally predicted an apocalypse last October, until the end comes, this clan waits in the shelters, armed, true believers, convinced. Here's, here's uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, uh, Werner, uh, making a prophecy of some sort based on her astrological charts uh, for those dates there in 1990, of which did not come to pass. Now, you're used to being in bunkers and war and all these types of things, but now, uh, if she is, uh, w would you agree, based on, uh, you know, the teachings of the Church Universal and Triumphant, that she is pretty much the sole mouthpiece right now for the Ascended Masters, or would you take issue with that? Oh, I, I don't know whether I would take issue with it, but I do um, acknowledge her office 
in the uh, revere her office as the messenger for the great white brotherhood and I do think that offices that people hold uh, to be honored and uh, it's just something to my uh, my liking and again uh, my um, exercise in in free will which I treasure above all things is that exercise in being here in the United States where we can still do that uh, now what I'm getting at basically is she uh, from your point of view being a representative of the church universal and triumphant she is the one who would give us the tea I mean there's not other people in the world right now that are getting the great white brotherhood these ascended masters getting their teachings it's only her is that correct well you know I'm going to have to really be careful of how I answer your question because I I have not met anyone else at this time who who receives the the actual teachings of the great white brotherhood as they are coming through our messenger elizabeth claire prophet but again i have not m met every in individual that leads uh, spiritual movements and that i do think there are many many who received the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and I think the teachings of the Ascended Masters work through many individuals, but I believe the messengership that Elizabeth Clare Prophet was trained for as a uh, messenger for the Great White Brotherhood uh, under the direct um, um, teaching of uh, Mark Prophet, who was her teacher, who was a messenger for the Great White Brotherhood, they hold that office, and I respect that office, and I feel wonderful with that. Okay, uh, and but now now uh, I respect your answer. Okay. The the question uh, I would have then is, uh, we, we were talking earlier in the, the first hour here about authority, the uh, El Moria and uh, Mark Prophet and the Ascended Masters, the Great White Brotherhood, uh, authority, and I was suggesting that the uh, the contrast here between uh, your organization and, and Orthodox Christianity is the Orthodox Christianity holds to the scriptures, the Bible as we know it, the 66 books, the canonical scriptures, uh, as our authority, whereas your authority is these ascended masters who are communicating through, at this time, Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Now, if this is true, that she is the one who as far as you know, at this point in time, is the only one receiving these these uh, messages of this authority figure or or counsel or whatever it could be described as. Uh, how could she make a mistake of uh, predicting, let's say, as we were listening on these tapes and and so forth, uh, this this uh, doomsday prediction of a nuclear war and so forth uh, for you know, March, April, 1990, if she's in such communication with these Ascended Masters, how can she make a mistake like that and then pass it on to all her followers? Okay, that's a long question, and I, um, I, I try to follow you in my heart and uh, how possibly I will answer this question. Here, here is what I feel, that I believe that uh, what we were being pre prepared for was something that could have happened and I strongly f feel that calamities and intense situations like that can be uh, averted or mitigated if someone is made aware of a possible threat and praise to, to God in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe in my heart 
with, in all sincerity, that much can be averted. And I believe it was by the grace of God and only by the grace that we did not have to go through what was prophesied. Prophecies can be changed. The Nostradamus prophecies, my goodness, how accurate that man was, but how much can be, and I hope, be averted through the power of prayer and supplication to the deity. Okay, so basically uh, uh, Elizabeth Clear Prophet then today could receive a uh, revelation, maybe a pearl of wisdom of some sort from the uh, uh, great, great white brotherhood of some impending uh, disaster, let's say, and uh, people would prepare for that based on what she gives as her message of revelation. And then it could not come true be, uh, based on what you just were telling me. Uh, in other words, there's a possibility that this would just not happen for other mitigating circumstances. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure out how can I put confidence in, you know, if the prophecies can change, how do I ever really know if it's going to come to pass? Because it could, it could be mitigated. It could be changed. And then you go down the list, you also have saved by works and water baptism, which would mainly be the Campbellites, the Church of Christ, restoration movement. As I say, our attitude toward churches of Christ generally is in response to those who have been, have been aggressively denunciatory of us. Yes. And we don't go out here just picking on churches of Christ per se. If they attack us, if they come toward us, then we respond. Now, I guess what we better do then is since the doctrines of the Church of Christ uh, obviously uh, fulfill your standard or definition of what a cult is, we probably better go to that at this point because um, you have said that you agree with parts of the dictionary definition, but obviously there's more to it. Uh, what, what is your definition of a cult? Well, uh, Brother uh, uh, Larry here is holding up a little uh, definition that I copied this from Larson's book. As, as you may recall, Mr. Bennett, who was representative of the Church of Christ in one of our TV debates, he mentioned Larson's book, and he said Larson didn't uh, mention Churches of Christ in this book, so uh, I got the impression that because Larson didn't mention them, Mr. Bennett was saying uh, Larson doesn't regard them as a cult, but uh, at the same time, Larson doesn't mention in here the Seventh-day Adventists, which Mr. Bennett thinks they're a cult, and he doesn't mention Roman Catholicism, and Bennett thinks they're a cult, and of course he doesn't mention Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians, and Bennett thinks that they're cults. So it did very little weight for him to say that Larson didn't mention them in the book, and so therefore they weren't a cult. But now, there's a book written by Bob Lawson on the book of cults, page 19, and he said that there are two factors used in the evaluation of a group that is a cult. Now, this is, these are the two points that he makes. Number one, uh, if it ignores or purposely omits apostolic doctrines. Number two, if it holds to beliefs that are distinctly opposed to orthodox Christianity. But if you notice here, I have, uh, this is from Larson, page 31, chapter 4, A Christian Perspective on Cults, and he has two contingent factors which 
evaluate whether a group is cultic. All right. Number one, if they ignore or purposely omit central apostolic doctrines. So these are ignored or omitted, and I think he could have added in there they are uh, perverted. distorted, perverted. perverted yeah. yeah. Then he goes on with number two in his definition. If they hold to beliefs which are distinctively opposite to the orthodox Christianity. Now, beliefs which are distinctively opposite to orthodox Christianity. Now, on this point, I personally, uh, when I look at a religious group or a religious teacher or a religious book, my first question is, what is the doctrine that is being taught under this theme of the gospel? Mm -hmm. What is their gospel? Mm -hmm. What message do they bring to men that explains to men the way of salvation? Yes. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I say that any message that deviates from Jesus Christ as being the way to God, and that deviates in such a way, that it misleads people, that it misdirects people, that it puts something in the way of Christ or in addition to Christ or subtracts from Christ. This is a false gospel. You know, Paul talked about uh, someone coming and preaching another gospel, yes. another Jesus, Galatians and 1. another spirit. Now, that is, that is possible. Not only is it possible, but it's going on in the world. Another Jesus is being preached. Another gospel is being preached. Now, on this point here, this is the major element so far as I personally am concerned. Yes. Uh, because uh, if they're wrong on the gospel, then what does it matter if they're right about everything else? Right. And uh, if they're uh, wrong on everything else and right on the gospel, then uh, at least they're right on the major point of doctrine, of truth, of teaching. So on this point here, when I look at the word cult, and we are taking Larson's definitions, for instance, here on this. I find that, uh, at least in my judgment, as I understand the teachings of the Bible, that the belief on the gospel adhered to by the mainline or hardline Church of Christ uh, group is an error, because on this point, they add baptism to the gospel, and uh, from there, of course, they go on to teach the idea that without baptism you're not saved and uh, then you have to uh, do all these other things. They've got their so-called five acts of worship in the church that you have to do and you, you just have to keep going on. And in effect what they're teaching is what we would regard as salvation by works. Yeah. Well, in fact, you know what's funny about the Church of Christ is uh, they pretty much spawned a lot of the other cults back in the 1800s in mm. the United States. Uh, you've got the Campbellites starting the Church of Christ, but out of them hmm. came Mormonism. Hmm. Out of them came Jehovah's Witnesses. And so one heresy begets another heresy. The next playlist covers some great sermons, some all-time great sermons by Charles Haddon Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards. They deliver, they deserve to be cast into hell 
so that divine justice never stands in the way. It makes no objection against God's using his power at any moment to destroy them. Yea, on the contrary, justice calls aloud for an infinite punishment of their sins. Divine justice says if the tree that brings forth such grapes of Sodom, cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? The sword of divine justice is every moment brandished over their heads. And it is nothing but the hand of arbitrary mercy and God's mere will that holds it back. Third, they're already under a sentence of condemnation to hell. They do not only justly deserve to be cast down thither, but the sentence of the law of God, that eternal and immutable rule of righteousness that God has fixed between him and mankind is gone out against them and stands against them so that they are bound over already to hell. John 3.18, he that believeth not is condemned already. So that every unconverted man properly belongs to hell. That is his place. From thence he is. John 8.23, ye are from beneath, and thither he is bound. It is the place that justice and God's word and the sentence of his unchangeable law assign to him. Fourth, they are now the objects of that very same anger and wrath of God that is expressed in the torments of hell. And the reason why they do not go down to hell at each moment is not because God, in whose power they are, is not then very angry with them. As he is with many miserable creatures now tormented in hell who feel there and bear the fierceness of his wrath, yea, God is a great deal more angry with great numbers that are now on earth, yea, doubtless with many that are now in this congregation, who it may be are at ease than he is with many of those who are now in the flames of hell. So that it is not because God is unmindful of their wickedness and does not resent it that he does not let loose his hand and cut them off. God is not altogether such a one as themselves, though they may imagine him to be so. The wrath of God burns against them. Their damnation does not slumber. The pit is prepared. The fire is made ready. The furnace is now hot, ready to receive them. The flames do now rage and glow. The glittering sword is wet and held over them, and the pit hath opened its mouth under them. Fifth, the devil stands ready to fall upon them and seize them as his own at what moment God shall permit him. They belong to him. He has their souls in his possession and under his dominion. The scripture represents them as his goods. The devils watch them. They are ever by them at their right hand. They stand waiting for them like greedy, hungry lions that see their prey and expect to have it but are for the present kept back. If God should withdraw his hand by which they are restrained, they would in one moment fly upon their poor souls. The old serpent is gaping for them. Hell opens its mouth wide to receive them. And if God should permit it, they would be hastily swallowed up and lost. Sixth, there are in the souls of wicked men those hellish principles reigning that would presently kindle and flame out into hellfire if it were not for God's restraints. There is laid in the very nature of carnal men a foundation for the torments of hell. There are those corrupt principles in reigning power in them and in full possession of them that are seeds of hellfire. 
These principles are active and powerful, exceeding violent in their nature. And if it were not for the restraining hand of God upon them, they would soon break out, they would flame out after the same manner as the same corruptions, the same enmity does in the hearts of damned souls and would beget the same torments as they do in them. The souls of the wicked are in Scripture compared to the troubled sea. Isaiah 57, 20. For the present, God restrains their wickedness by His mighty power, as He does the raging waves of the troubled sea, saying, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And if God should withdraw that restraining power, it would soon carry all before it. Sin is the ruin and misery of the soul. It is destructive in its nature. And if God should leave it without restraint, there would need nothing else to make the soul perfectly miserable. The corruption of the heart of man is immoderate and boundless in its fury. And while wicked men live here, it is like fire pent up by God's restraints. Whereas if it were let loose, it would set on fire the course of nature. And as the heart is now a sink of sin, so if sin was not restrained, it would immediately turn the soul into a fiery oven or a furnace of fire and brimstone. Seventh, it is no security to wicked men for one moment that there are no visible means of death at hand. It is no security to a natural man that he is now in health, that he does not see which way he should now immediately go out of the world by any accident, and that there is no visible danger in any respect in his circumstances. The manifold and continual experience of the world in all ages shows this is no evidence, that a man is not on the very brink of eternity and that the next step will not be into another world. The unseen, unthought-of ways and means of persons going suddenly out of the world are innumerable and inconceivable. Unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a rotten covering, and there are innumerable places in this covering so weak that they will not bear their weight, and those places are not seen. The arrows of death fly unseen at noonday. The sharpest sight cannot discern them. God has so many different unsearchable ways of taking wicked men out of the world and sending them to hell that there is nothing to make it appear that God hath need to be at the expense of a miracle or go out of the ordinary course of his providence to destroy any wicked man at any moment. All the means that there are of sinners going out of the world are so in God's hands and so universally and absolutely subject to his power and determination that it does not depend at all the less on the mere will of God whether sinners shall at any moment go to hell that if means were never made use of are at all concerned in the case. Eighth, natural men's prudence and care to preserve their own lives or the care of others to preserve them do not secure them a moment. To this divine providence and universal experience do also bear testimony. There is this clear evidence that men's own wisdom is no security to them from death. That if it were otherwise, we should see some difference between the wise and politic men of the world and others with regard to their liableness to early and unexpected death. But how is it in fact, Ecclesiastes 2.16? How dieth the wise man, even as the fool? Ninth, all wicked men's pains and contrivance, which they use to escape hell while they continue to reject Christ and so remain wicked men, 
do not secure them from hell one moment. Almost every natural man that hears of hell flatters himself that he shall escape it. He depends upon himself for his own security. He flatters himself in what he has done, and what he is now doing, or what he intends to do. Every one lays out matters in his own mind how he shall avoid damnation, and flatters himself that he contrives well for himself, and that his schemes will not fail. They hear indeed that there are but few saved, and that the greater part of men that have died heretofore are gone to hell. But each one imagines that he lays out matters better for his own escape than others have done. He does not intend to come to that place of torment. He says within himself that he intends to take effectual care and to order matters so for himself as not to fail. But the foolish children of men deliberately miserably delude themselves in their own schemes and in confidence in their own strength and wisdom. They trust to nothing but a shadow. The greater part of those who heretofore have lived under the same means of grace and are now dead are undoubtedly gone to hell. And it was not because they were not as wise as those who are now alive. It was not because they did not lay out matters as well for themselves to secure their own escape. If we could speak with them and inquire of them one by one whether they expected when alive and when they used to hear about hell ever to be the subjects of that misery, we doubtless should hear one and another reply, No! I never intended to come here. I had laid out matters otherwise in my mind. I thought I should contrive well for myself. I thought my scheme good. I intended to take effectual care, but it came upon me unexpected. I did not look for it at that time, and in that manner it came as a thief. Death outwitted me. God's wrath was too quick for me. Oh, my cursed foolishness, I was flattering myself and pleasing myself with vain dreams of what I would do hereafter. And when I was saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction came upon me. And we also have all our Spanish videos on that particular playlist. YouTube only lets me use so many playlists. We have a 19 playlists. And I had to kind of combine different topics into one playlist because I YouTube wouldn't let me go beyond the 19 limit back when I was setting this up. Okay, then you have another playlist there on end times, Bible prophecy, and tough Bible questions. Point seven, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Isaiah chapter 53 Verse 9, so as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mark chapter 15, verses 42 through 46. Point eight, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, that's Isaiah 53, 10, But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets 
that his Christ, Messiah, should suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Acts chapter 3, verse 18. All this is from God. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Point 9. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. For I deliver to you as of first importance that I also receive that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 6. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Point 10. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's Isaiah 53, 12. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. That's Matthew chapter 27, verse 38. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Well, let's go move along with the, you know, without that much time. We're going to go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. Verses 5 and 6 about the righteous branch and so forth. So go ahead, brother. Read the All text. Right. Behold, the days come, says Jehovah, that I will raise to David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely, and shall do justice and righteousness in the earth. In those days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name by which he shall be called. Jehovah our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Now are you seeing a key, key situation there in that passage? Jehovah... Our righteousness. Mm -hmm. Now, what normal king of Israel have you ever seen that got a name like that bestowed upon him? I've heard of Solomon. I've heard of uh, Jeroboam. I've heard of all of these other kings. Right, right. right. Hezekiah. And and, 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 and it may not be a name, a title, but no king of Israel has ever had that title. I mean, they've been titled king, but but no one else has been titled that except the Messiah, Jesus. Exactly, because he's actually given a divine name Mm -hmm. with Jehovah our righteousness, and it says uh, he will deliver us, we shall be saved. All these things link in with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and him alone, being king, king of Israel. And here's just another classic text. The explanation of the text. Proof that this passage is speaking about the Messiah can be seen from the following. One, at least four other scriptural passages refer to a, quote, branch, end quote, who is acknowledged by many Jewish rabbis as being the Messiah. Those references are Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 15, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8, and Zechariah chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. 
We have a lot of our videos there where I've done for years live TV shows where we take call-ins from the general public. This was mainly back in our old cable access TVs from 400,000 households. Mm. In fact, Rob, you were in one of those. There's Rob in one of these call-in Bible TV shows. Who's the guy in the right again? (laughs) (laughs) So, see, Rob, you're in so many of our videos. You're even in one of our live call-in shows. Wow. uh, Dealing with the general public asking, who are asking Bible questions. Yeah. I remember that. We sat in the studio. That's right. Rob, I wanted to ask you, in the in the Christianity in America today, there is a coming together with Roman Catholicism. Quickly tell the people why we should not do this. I mean, uh, you've said already Roman Catholicism is a false gospel mm-hmm. that will basically, that will not, not basically, that will damn a person, lead them to hell. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we shouldn't combine with that, mm-hmm. but I don't think a lot of the people really understand that. Well, it's not just Roman Catholicism that we shouldn't combine with. There are a number of religions that we should have nothing to do with because they deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. But since I'm in the field working all the time on the Roman Catholic question, just let me say briefly that uh, there are a number of evangelicals across the nation who seem to want to push an ecumenical movement back toward Rome, and they're doing so really out of either ignorance for our own precious gospel or out of ignorance of the gospel that Rome preaches and teaches. And all I can say to this is that we need to be better students of the scriptures, we need to be better at standing up and defending the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need to resist all such pressure and efforts. The reason behind the pressure, behind the efforts to ecumenize the nation and bring us back with Rome can be summed up by one word, fear. Evangelicals have a fear of being taken over by secular humanists, a fear of being taken over by atheists, a fear of being taken over by Far Eastern religions, a fear of being taken over by black Muslims, a fear of being taken over by the Muslim religion, a fear of being taken over by New Age groups. And they're looking for allies in their fear. And uh, it's very similar to... uh, the, the people of uh, Israel who were called out of Egypt, and at one point they wanted to go back and find an ally in Egypt that would protect them. And folks, we can't go back to Rome. Rome apostatized in the 1500s. Rome is a false hope. It possesses in her heart a false gospel. And because of that, if we're thinking clearly, we would not have any part of Rome never mix the gospel with Rome. But because of this overwhelming fear in our society of being overrun by secular humanism, Far Eastern religions, and the general chaotic mess that our society is in, we're getting pushed back toward Rome to find an ally that uh, ultimately will spell the death of the gospel. If you want to lose your gospel, merge with a religion that doesn't have one, and soon it'll be gone. But I really think that that's the chief reason why evangelicals are moving back toward Rome. That in flat-out ignorance. Mm-hmm. Somebody once said the church in America is 3,000 miles wide and about a half an inch deep. And it may be that that's our problem. There's precious mm-hmm. little theological training. Anyway, Rob, I just thought that'd bring back old memories for you, that you're in the playlist, too, a dealing where we've got all our call-in shows and our call-in radio shows answering Bible questions. 
We got one more playlist on our main channel, and I'll mention that real fast. And that's the one at the bottom. And that one's dealing with predestination, Arminianism, and Calvinism. My most popular video leads that playlist off on unpopular Bible doctrines. You know, I've got top Bible, uh, some of the best Bible preachers you'll find is down in that playlist. Uh, you will notice on the first chart, my, my top recommendation of someone you can listen to is Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 1834 to 1892 was England's best-known preacher for most of the second half of the 19th century. In 1854, just four years after his conversion, Spurgeon, then only 20, became pastor of London's famed New Park Street Church, formerly pastored by the famous Baptist theologian, John Gill. The congregation quickly outgrew their building, moved to Exeter Hall, then to Surrey Music Hall. In these venues, Spurgeon frequently preached to audiences numbering more than 10,000, all in the days before electronic amplification. In 1861, the congregation moved permanently to the new Metropolitan Tabernacle. Next, John Bunyan. John Bunyan was born in 1628 at Elstrow near Bedford, England. Then after years of spiritual struggle, he found salvation in Christ and began to preach to groups of dissenters. Arrested and condemned to Bedford jail for illegal preaching, a punishment from which he might well have been freed by promising to give up his ministry. He remained in prison for nearly 12 years and after several years of liberty. His was an imprisonment unique in English literature for the quality of the fruit it bore, namely the incomparable Pilgrim's Progress. In fact, that's a famous uh, novel that you still find in today's Christian bookstores, Pilgrim's Progress. And he wrote it all while he was sitting in prison. I guess I can't say prison. He was sitting in the Bedford jail because they didn't like his preaching. But God used it for his glory. Not, not John Bunyan's glory, but God's glory. Now, on this particular playlist, anyone that goes to there, I'd like to recommend that you see this one. Uh, if you can't, don't have time to watch all those videos, but it's called The Sovereignty of God versus Man-Made Religions, Hollywood Movies, and Petty Emotionalism. And uh, I put my heart into this particular video. We even did a newsletter for our ministry mm. based off my research. And it will give you a good, thorough, biblical explanation in an almost a systematic way mm. how the sovereignty of God operates in our lives based on almost nothing but just pure scriptures built in categories. So I recommend this to our viewers if they really want to get a good handle on what's going on. And if you need a free newsletter off that, which has all these Bible verses, send us an email, cdebater at aol.com, and we'll fire one out to you, or I can attach it to an email and send it to you that way. Uh, there's one last thing I want to mention here. People will recognize a certain person again that happens to be sitting here in studio with me. There right. he is again. Yeah, so 
This particular video, Robin, I want your comments on as we get ready to sign this video off. It's on divine curse of the Hebrew roots movement. Oh, yeah. Replacing Jesus with Old Testament Jewish Torah. Right. This particular video already has 30,000 views and more. But what's interesting about it is I, on a regular basis, I always seem to get an email from somebody wanting your outline that right. you did for this particular video. So... This doesn't have so much to do with predestination, Calvinism, and Arminianism as it does with... This is a really good video for people to learn the difference between saved by grace and saved by works. So could you, for a moment, just uh, explain the difference between saved by grace and saved by works? And explain the importance of the distinction between those two. Well, you're absolutely right. The the Bible teaches faith. The Bible teaches works. It's the relationship between the two that is the most discussed and oftentimes disgusting conversation you can have. We believe, and we think that it's from the authority of Scripture, that if anybody is going to be saved, they're going to be saved on the basis of the righteousness of Christ imputed to them by God because no man, no woman, no child, no teenager has enough righteousness of his own to stand before a holy God. So we need an alien righteousness. And the only way to gain that is through faith. You can't clutch it out of the sky. You can't wrench it from the Holy Spirit. You have to have faith that can you make donations to a church so you can get salvation? Of course not. You can. <laughs> well, maybe we ought to think about that. No, just, I, of course you cannot. So, um, with the Hebrew Roots Movement, we find a whole group of people who, on the outside, are saying, you know what, we want to be closer to God. And the way to get closer to God is to be more obedient to God. And the way to be more obedient to God is to live the way God has called us to live. We say, fine, fine, fine. But how has God called us to live? He's called us to live by faith. He's called us to stand in in His grace and to be justified by faith alone and to walk according to our call. And we have a whole plethora of New Covenant uh, guidance, exhortation on how to live our lives. That's fine. But that's not good enough for them. They want to go back, all the way back to the Old Testament and reinstitute some of the practices of the nation of Israel. Now the problem with that is that they are attaching to the obedience of these practices a closer relationship with God. And then of course, as inevitably will happen, soon the obediences attached to being closer to God become a form of being a Christian, a form of being saved, a proof of your salvation, etc., etc. So out the window goes justification by faith alone. Ushered in is this relationship with God through keeping of Old Testament religious rituals, Old Testament Israeli rituals, Old Testament pieces of the law. They're not consistent. They don't keep the whole law. They pick and choose. They cherry pick things out of the Old Testament. And that's where the disgusting part is, that they are super imposing the Old Covenant 
rules, regulations, conduct, and cult of the nation of Israel on top of the new covenant in Christ or the new covenant Christ is smothered under it. And that's when it becomes a totally different gospel for them. Now does, does uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 relate to what you're talking about? I'll read it here for the audience. Mm. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from a King James here. Mm -hmm. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Right, right. And, and that's the problem uh, because they equate their best efforts to keep their, remember they pick and choose portions of the law to equal a closer relationship with God and ultimately... They're, they're, they're terribly, as I showed in the video, they're confused. They don't know if doing it keeps them in a state of salvation and not doing it excludes them from being in a state of salvation or they are in a state of salvation and if they don't do it, then they can be pushed out of the state well, of salvation. Well, it's just a false religion. And, and so, <laughs> so yeah, to summarize it, it's another attempt by man to supplant the finished work of Jesus Christ and the only method by which God has given us to gain the benefit of that work is by faith and faith alone. Amen. There's a place for works, but it is a, a, a works is the result of believing faith. Amen. Believing faith produces works, as the reformers to a man would say, we are saved, we are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. Amen. Very good. Well said. Oh, one little plug for our viewers on this. Uh, Rob has done a second video now on the Hebrew Roots Movement. So check for it on our channel. You'll find it. Just look. If you have a question, you can go to the YouTube search box at the top of the page on YouTube. And you just type in there, Rob Zinn's Hebrew Roots Movement. And uh, click on that, and you'll get both his videos right up top on the Hebrew Roots Movement, and you can go into them in detail. If you have friends or relatives into this, Rob will be right there, a click away to help you out. All right, Rob, well, that wraps it up. We went through all the playlists. We've given some instruction to our mm -hmm. folks at home That's good. how to use this playlist. At, and the whole reason is this video was done just thanks to you, not knowing for almost 11 years how any of this worked. One <laughs> so, man's stupidity is another man's bonus, huh? <laughs> So, so hopefully our subscribers will be educated now how to use this channel to their advantage. Is there another Christian apologetics channel that has this much information on it? I'm not sure. Now I know because, in my opinion, Dr. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries is the number one Christian apologist alive on the planet yeah. today. I would say to answer your question, here uh, you can see his YouTube channel, Alpha and Omega Ministries. And uh, those YouTube channels are mainly his dividing line shows. So basically whatever he does on his podcast from his office, is, it's, just, it's just live and they don't edit it like we edit our stuff mm -hmm. and things of this nature. And that's not even counting his other channels. Videos? How do you find them all? Well, you just go to YouTube like you find our channel. The okay. way you find our channel 
is just go to Sea Answers TV. Okay, Dan is now, already now, there. Yeah, now look here. Here's, here's, yeah, see, to get to our channel, you type in a search box, Sea Answers TV, and right. hit the enter. That'll bring up our main channel here, right? Right. Now you do the same thing. Now look at this screen here and type in Alpha and Omega Ministries. And then you end up with the other channel right there. There right. it is. Bang. You hit the enter. You see it. You click on it. And you're right on his channel now. But it's all him. It's him mainly, but he has guests. And he does put up, post his debates, too. He debates, So there's a ton of debates. He's done more debates than anyone I've seen. Yeah. So I highly recommend his channel, his ministry. Like I say, he's an, in my opinion, he's the number one Christian apologist on the planet. Uh, so... There you go. It's and that's actually one of his favorite sayings. There you go. <laughs> yeah, what he says. There you go. I listen. I even listen to him driving over here to do all my own shows. So it's kind of interesting how that works out. But uh, I think at last I heard, he's done 167 moderated debates. Mm. You know. Now who's going to touch that? I mean, right. those are moderated with audiences and everything mm. else. You know. Uh, I've done. I've done. I don't know. 10, 12 debates, maybe, right. but I mean, against him, I mean, 160, it's no comparison, basically. You've done a lot of debates, too, around the world. Uh, but so I would put him as the top, the, the top Christian apologist. And then, of uh, course, Matt Slick is really good. And I'm hoping someday we're going to have a Rob Zins channel ah. on YouTube so we can access to anything you have to help people in whatever they need help on. Mm. So. I'll just pray about that one. But, uh, well, Rob, thank you for being with me on this show to give your analysis and input uh, about these things. Right. I want to thank the viewers out there for joining us for this particular episode. Uh, it, uh, hopefully it will help you understand better how to use YouTube, our channel, and other people's channel. But just knowing some of these little inside tricks, like clicking a little button here to open up a play playlist and right. a whole bunch of other stuff. and things you can do. Just yeah, I think they, they probably know how to navigate it quite a bit better having watched Oh, yeah, it. yeah. They watch it all. And they picked up quite a bit of information about different topics as we worked our way through That's it, right. particularly touching on the videos you participated mm -hmm. in. So right. I thought it worked out good for the usefulness of the audience. All right, brothers and sisters in Christ out there, may the Lord bless you, all the other people. Uh, remember this. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16, 31, and 32. With that, God bless you all. We'll see you next time. I'm with Rob Zins. I'm Larry Wessels. We'll see you next time. God bless. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Larry Wessels, director of Christian Answers of Austin, Texas, Christian debater. My daughter Marlena has come out with a Christian music CD entitled, Win This Fight. It has eight songs that she has written and performed herself. Some of the song titles are, Win This Fight, Love Song to My Lord, Vessel to You, Waiting to Hear From You, Jesus Is, and Others. YouTube viewers can listen and see Marlena's music video, Jesus Is, right now, free. Just type Marlena Wessels 
M-A-R-L-E-N-A-W-E-S-S-E-L-S, in the YouTube search box and click on her video on the page that comes next. If you would like more information about getting a copy of her CD, just email us at cdebater at aol.com. That's C-D-E-B-A-T-E-R at aol.com. Or give us a call at 512-218-8022. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and yours.
If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screens.